Sports Loudmouth 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So much going on in 24 hours of football and sports as the Yankees lose game number one and look like they're going out for game number two and being and probably going to go down 2-0 to the Houston pain-in-the-butt Astros. Going back to New York for three games, and we'll see what happens there. But uh, it doesn't look good for the Yankees. But, Speedy, what's up, man? Well, I thought I lost something, too. I spent all day looking for my wallet that I thought I lost. Luckily, I found it in my grandfather's car, so survived a scare. But now hoping that uh, my football team does not lose this week because my baseball team, they already lost. Well, my baseball team looks like they're going to get knocked out pretty quick the way they're playing. They can't actually hit in this in this series, I, they couldn't hit in the Cleveland series. This is just astronomical. Okay, this is the, this is embarrassing. Astronomical against the Astros. There yeah, you go. Yeah, there you go. I like that. There you go. You you That's you come back late, and you're filled with baseball puns. I am filled with everything, and soon being filled with something else. Because as a Yankee fan, I'm going to be filled with anger at the end of this game. But nevertheless. Uh, we have a great show lined up for you at 10.30. We'll be talking to Southern Illinois Miners Chief, Chief Operating Officer, Second Public Speaker, Mike Pinto. And at 11 o'clock, we will be talking to Elite Sports New York Giants and NFL writer Ryan Honey. He will be joining for the first time on the show. Uh, so much going on, as I was saying. The New York Yankees looking like they're going to go down. They're going to go down 2-0 in this series against the Houston Astros. Elijah Moore speaks out all over Twitter and really throws himself under the bus. If you're a Jet fan, I would not be happy about this, that one of your better players, one of your better young players is requesting a trade. What does that say about the Jets? What does that say about him as a player? He's. It doesn't seem like he's a team player. Uh, he's all about himself and his looks, and, and to me, that's not a Joe Douglas player. So what does Joe Douglas do? Do they trade him at the trade deadline November 1st, or do they hold on to him, uh, see what he can do this year, and then figure out what they'll do with him in the offseason? Um, the Cowboys to start Dak Prescott Sunday versus the Lions. I knew this was going to happen. I've said this over and over again. They were not going to take Cooper Rush out until he lost a game because they didn't want to deal with the fans and the controversy. Now, finally, he loses a game, and now you see Cooper Rush bye-bye because he won't be, he won't be back for the rest of the season. Uh, Tua claims he was unconscious for a while after the hit that gave him a concussion. 
How badly should the Dolphins be punished? That's a good question. Week seven picks. And uh, what, what, are, what are the numbers right now? That was our records from last week. You were eight and six, and Derek and I both stunk. <laughs> well, at least I'm, I'm over 500. That's a good thing. Yeah. In a weird week, you still survived to be over 500. Not so much for Derek and myself. Well, that's, that's okay. You know, it, that, that's life. But anyways, when we get into it, uh, we're not going to get into Yankees first because uh, we'll have a lot to say a little bit later in the show. But I, I want to get into this Elijah Moore thing because you sit here today. The New York Jets are four and two. The New York Giants are five and one. The Buffalo Bills are five and one. New York football is back, ladies and gentlemen. You don't hear anybody on the Giants except Galladay, who's going to be on his way out. Good riddance. You haven't heard anybody complain on the Giants. They're not touching the ball. They're not getting enough passes to them. Daniel Jones doesn't stink. You haven't heard any of that so far. So far early this season. Because they're 5-1 and one and they're winning. You haven't heard anything about Diggs and Davis taking shots at Josh Allen that he's not giving him the ball. Elijah Moore, for the last couple of days, really for the last, I would say, 100 hours. I'm going to give it 100 hours. This man has been complaining that he has not touched the ball enough this year. He's not seeing it enough. And over the last couple of days, nonchalantly on Twitter, he feeds the fans different, you know, different words of anger. That he's, and it's not showing, it really hasn't come out to be angry until today. If you're a Yankee, if you're a Yankee, if you're a Jet fan right now, even if you're a Yankee fan, you won't you wouldn't be happy with the Yankees. But if you're a Jet fan right now, and Elijah Moore comes out over the last 15 hours, practically saying to numerous press guys that he wants to be traded, that's not a good sign. If you're Joe Douglas, what do you do with this? Honestly, if if I was Joe Douglas right now, and I know Joe, Joe Douglas, he does not like non-team players. He got rid of one of them, Jamal Adams. Greedy, controversial, thought he was that much better than everybody else on the field. Where is he now? He's on Seattle. He's making his money. And he barely plays. Right now, the Jets are one of the youngest, more talented teams in the NFL. They have a star running back that looks like he's just bursting onto the scene. Garrett Wilson, before Zach Wilson actually stepped on the field, looked like he was going to be a star. Sauce is a star. Clemens looks like he's going to be a player. Max Mitchell looks like he's going to play, play, be a player. And Zach Wilson looks like he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. Elijah Moore was a big piece to this youth of a football team. And Denzel Mims, before the season started, he wanted to be traded. We spoke about it quite a few times about Denzel Mims. Demanding he wants out. This guy hasn't even suited up. And he's still dealing with that. And he still hasn't forced his way out. 
He hasn't told the Jets over and over and over again to trade him. He said what he said, and he's doing his time. He's sitting on the bench. He's sitting, waiting for his opportunity, and and might be his opportunity this weekend. Elijah Moore is embarrassing. If you're a Jet fan and you're going to sit here today and you're going to try to stick up for this man, you cannot stick up for a player that don't believe in his own team and his own coaches. I, I, I love the type of player he is. He's emotional. He goes out there. He can give you consistency on the field. Here's the problem. Since he's come to the NFL, he's been in the league for now two years. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't. And Zach Wilson, who is his quote-unquote buddy, why is he, and he hasn't taken shots at Zach Wilson. I believe he's trying to tell Mike LaFleur, I want to see the ball more. I demand to see the ball more. And if you're not going to do that, trade me. Now the Jets gave him an off day. They said, yeah, we don't want you in the facility today. We want you to cool down, figure things out, and come back tomorrow. You know what I would do if I was the manager? If I was Robert Sala? Stay home. I don't want you in this locker room if you're bad juju. That's what I would say. Why would I want a player in my locker room that have already you already known, you already know he has come out and said that he wants to be traded? Why would you want him around your other players? It doesn't make sense. So if you're a Jet fan right now, you're going to sit here and you're going to make excuses for Elijah Moore. Who? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Besides the the little bit of what we saw last year, where he he had like three or four games where he looked pretty good, he has done nothing for the New York Jets. Nothing. Now, Robert Soller and Joe Douglas are going to have to make a decision. Do you want this guy in your locker room for the rest of the season when he doesn't see the ball in particular games? You do not want to change your offense for Elijah Moore to make him happy. We've seen this before. Look at what the Oakland, well, the Las Vegas Raiders are doing right now. They're spoon-feeding DeAndre, I'm sorry, DeAndre Adams. Adams, they're spoon-feeding him. Why? Because Derek Carr and him are buddies. You haven't seen Waller. Every time Waller's on the field, you you don't even know he's on the field. This is one of the more talented tight ends in all of football. He'll be playing somewhere next year. It won't be Las Vegas. How many times have we seen this with these prima donna wide receivers? All of them. Everybody demanding that they want more money. They want more playing time. They want to see more passes, more looks. Look at Jefferson on Minnesota. They have Dalvin Cook there. They have Thielen there. Adam Thielen, who's been a big player for them over the last, I would say, five years. And Jefferson is seeing the ball double the amount of times than both of those guys. Why? Because it's Justin Jefferson. Mr. Prima Donna himself. Elijah, and if you're a young player and you're seeing all this, what do you think Elijah Moore is thinking in his head? I demand the ball. 
I've been here longer than Garrett Wilson. By the way, you don't hear Garrett Wilson complaining. How many catches did Garrett Wilson have in the last game against Green Bay? How many looks did Garrett Wilson have in Green Bay? You don't hear him bitching. And that's the problem right now. The Jets are playing good football. They do not need bad juju in that locker room. They have a chance because guess what? Russell Wilson might not be playing on Sunday. Ripken might be playing. Mm -hmm. This is an opportunity for the Jets to go up five games to two. This will be the first time that they're going to be three games over 500 in a very long time. They have a chance to go the week after home to play New England to knock off the New England Patriots who they haven't beaten in about six years. That tells you one thing. You do not, I repeat, do not have Elijah Elijah Moore in that lineup if he does not go over and sit down or even talk to the players on that team and tell them and apologize to them that he is not being selfish and he, he will not be selfish moving forward with this team. This team has a chance to make the playoffs this year. Who would have thought that? With the AFC this week, and it is a weak AFC. They have a chance to be a wild card team. Heck, they have a chance to win the AFC East right now. And you have Elijah Moore bitching and moaning that he's not touching the ball, he's not seeing the ball enough? Come on, man. Embarrassing, Speedy. Absolutely embarrassing. And I don't want to hear Robert Sala make any excuses for this kid. I want Robert, I want Elijah Moore to come back, practice tomorrow with the team, and apologize. Go up there to the press and apologize to his players, apologize to his teammates, and apologize to the organization. There's two sides that really look bad in this. Elijah Moore definitely looking bad for making this statement public in a time like this when the Jets are 4-2. and two, their, fir- their first 4-2 and two start since their last year they made the playoffs. They were 3-2 and two in Sam Darnold's year and rookie year and fell off. That was the last time they were even that hot that early in the season. And yeah, okay, you're not getting targets. I get it. But they're still winning amidst all that. If the Jets were 0-6 or 1-5 and and you weren't getting targets, that's a different story. What they're doing right now is working, and you have to embrace it to some extent. Yes, I get you're a rookie wide receiver. You want to be able to get these stats up. And you are a talented player, a, a guy that should fit this scheme a lot better than it has. But you didn't get open very much against the Packers. They had two open targets, one of which got called back on a penalty, and the other one obviously wasn't thrown to because Zach Wilson went somewhere else. But still, it's not like you're getting open that prolifically. Now, at the same time, Mike LaFleur is not out of the woods either because Mike LaFleur, I think, has mismanaged him all year where he was a lot better as a slot receiver last year that a lot of his games where he was impactful yardage-wise and target-wise last year, he was in the slot, and they he refuses to put him back there he, because of the way Barrios has played, which is fine. Barrios is all right, but you're not going to be able to have him develop that way if you keep leaving him on the outside where he hasn't been as good this year. So he's got to make that adjustment kind of thing, too. I agree with you. Elijah Moore is going to have to win the team back over first. Mike LaFleur, until 
he does until Elijah Moore does that has no obligation to force feed him like you were saying because that creates a predictable and bad team offense. If the, the Broncos, who have a pretty good defense, go in to them saying, all right, oh, Elijah Moore is unhappy and they're going to go force feed him, they might pay attention to that more. Maybe it's a decoy. I don't know. But still, they don't have to cater to him until he gets that wins that back. So I think both sides are really bad in this case. I agree with you. I would not trade him right now because I, I don't think – the values there for him at this moment at the trade deadline. Maybe in the offseason they could consider it, but with the way the Jets are moving right now, they still a weapon to have on this roster once they do figure it out off the field. I do not believe they'll trade him, even in the offseason. I think they will figure this out. I do. I think they'll figure this out. But Elijah Moore should not have went public on this. Yeah. It really embarrasses him, and it makes the Jets organization, again, look like a clown organization. Why is it that your team is winning right now and you're you're talking about this? It's embarrassing. It is. As a Jet fan, I'm embarrassed for my best player to cry about this. And you're right. Nobody else is doing it right now. So why? Yeah, okay. Brees Hall is getting the majority of the touches because he's played well in recent weeks. Okay, ride the hot hand until the hot hand flames out. Then you're going to get more targets that way too. But embrace it. Again, it's not a 1-5 team. It's a 4-2 team that is tied for the second-best record in the AFC with a powerhouse Kansas City Chiefs team record-wise mm. right now and an L.A. Chargers team that a lot of people thought was going to go to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. The Bills are the only team ahead of you in the AFC right now, definitively record-wise, 5-1. and one. That's it right now. You should not be complaining about selfishness right now in year two of a four-year rookie contract. Especially when you have a chance to possibly take full custody of first place if you win this week and the Bills lose. You have a chance to take over first place in the AFC East in a division that nobody thought you had any chance of winning. Any chance. And you're complaining that you're not seeing the ball enough? Come on, man. This is ridiculous. This is... To me, it shows you how uh, you know spoiled these players are. As 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 professional athletes, you see these guys in high school. They're the best in high school. They're the best in college, and and the reason why they don't complain as much is because they see the ball ninety percent of the time. Now you're playing in the NFL and you're playing with guys just as good as you, maybe better, and because. Garrett Wilson was drafted in the in the top ten this year, and Brees Hall was uh, a very coveted uh, superstar running back, and he's touching the ball more than you are. You're going to complain about it? Even Brees Hall's not touching the ball thirty times a game. He's not. He just got his first twenty carry game this week. I mean, seriously, this man is getting twenty carries and he's getting over hundred yards. That tells you how good Brees Hall is going to be. A model of efficiency, which is not you this year, Elijah Moore. You only have 203 receiving yards. Be efficient. Play your game. Go up there. Go out there this weekend against a Broncos team that has a very good defense, a very good secondary. Get open. And Zach Wilson, I'm sure, will hand you or throw you the ball where you want it to be. Right. And I do think they're going to... Not, obviously, force-feed him, but at least cater to some extent what he could do just to get him going again if if mentally he's able to turn it around with the team and get the chemistry back and all that. And Mike LaFleur has to realize that, too. Zach Wilson has to realize that, too. And the Broncos, we'll see 
how smart in terms of a defensive coach the defensive coordinator is, but the Broncos are a pretty good defense that has been good against the pass, too. So now's your chance to be able to get that. Also, you talk about the the general nature of quote unquote prima donna wide receivers, which again, I don't know if one thing is going to make it overreaction yet, but we've seen Debo Samuel last year and DK Metcalf get paid in the third year of their deal. Elijah Moore could, could, if you earn your way back to that, maybe you're paid in the third year of your deal too. And if you play like your talent level is supposed to be, you're drafted higher than Debo Samuel. You're drafted higher than DK Metcalf. So they had to see something that they liked in terms of the talent of the player. Maybe you can get to that level too. But again, complaining like this is not going to help your cause right now. And having only 203 receiving yards and inefficient on, on your targets is not going to help it as it is. It's going to hurt your, your teammates. That's what it's going to hurt. Because now your teammates don't believe that you're all about the team. You're about right. yourself. Mm-hmm. Which tells them that, you know, quote-unquote, if something happens in the locker room or something happens out, you know, after the game, you know, if a fight happens in the locker room, who do you think they're going to be pointing the fingers to? Yeah. They're going to be pointing their fingers to you because you are one of those guys that should be all about the team, not about yourself. Right. And nobody's saying for you to get, have anyone to adjust until you're proven to fit in this offense again because I think that he does fit, schematically speaking, but nobody's going to force you to get eight targets right away. At least if you, let's say you have six targets, catch five of them for 69 yards, maybe a touchdown. That's fine. That's your role in this offense. It's a well-rounded team offense against a talented pass defense, one of the best pass defenses in the league with the Broncos so far this season. That's a good mark for you to fit in that offense again and try to make you happy. No receiver in it is going to get 10 targets a game unless you're a top-five receiver and try to create a good team offense. Yes, there are other – you were talking about Stefan Diggs and Justin Jefferson and guys like that complaining about getting targets. Okay, they've earned it to an extent. You haven't earned it yet, Elijah Moore. So you have to get there to make it work. Your team is winning too. Make it work with the targets that you do get. Be efficient with it. Brees Hall, you were just saying, this was his first 20-carry week. Mm-hmm. Before that, he was making efficient star power work on 10 carries and then 16 carries. The, for the previous two weeks. And I expect him to have 25 carries this week. And then eventually 30 carries. And eventually you're not going to see Michael Carter Jr. that much. because And Michael Carter and Elijah Moore are very good friends. You don't hear, Eli- you don't hear Michael Carter complaining right. that he's not touching the ball. That Priest Hall has taken uh, the, the number one spot as the running back. Remember... It, when you looked at the depth charts before the season started, it was Michael Carter first, Brees Hall second. Now it's really Brees Hall one, Michael Carter two, which everybody expected, including Michael Carter. He be- Michael Carter is a leader. He's one of the leaders of this team. You don't see, you don't hear him crying about this. He knew this was going to happen, and he embraced the role. Too. Garrett Wilson, you're going to tell me. That the Jets drafting Garrett Wilson in the top ten, and he he was very coveted as the best running wide receiver in this year's draft class. You didn't think that he was going to be the number one guy eventually. He was. That's why they drafted him. He's a number one guy. You're you were drafted in the second round. You felt a lot of people thought you were a top fifteen pick last year. Have you proven that? No, because you can't stay on the field. You haven't stayed healthy. Right, and this year he doesn't get the injury pass that he did last year. Last year he missed some time, and he was out with COVID at the end of the year, and he had some injury issues in the middle of the season. This year, 
you just aren't getting open enough. Simple as that. Yeah, I I don't I agree with you to an extent that Mike LaFleur is misusing you. I'm not I'm not saying that he's off the off the hook just because of that. No, he's not. But still, you but still have to side, play. Whose side do you think Robert Sala is going to take? Mike LaFleur's or Elijah Moore? The difference is Elijah Moore went public. Mike LaFleur did not go public and say, oh, I'm Elijah gonna, Moore's not getting open. He I'm throw going his to give the you box. the answer. He is going to take Mike LaFleur's you know, side. Why? Because they're winning. And Elijah Moore went public. That, that, LaFleur, I don't think that even. I don't even think well, that matters. Uh, it would have sounded bad though if Mike Lafleur threw his player under the bus though too and said, "Oh, uh, Elijah Moore's not getting open. Uh, we don't want him here," or something like that. Oh, that's different. But Mike Lafleur didn't say anything. Elijah Moore went public and said, "I'm not getting targeted enough. I didn't show up to practice." Mike, Robert Sala did not say, "Oh, Elijah Moore, uh, don't don't show up to practice today." Uh, Mike Lafleur said, "Oh, no, no, don't show up to practice." No, that was his decision, Elijah Moore's decision. Then he sends up cryptic tweets. That's on him, and he has to win it back. Well, Robert Sala told him to stay home, spend some time with his family, gave him a day off, wanted him to just blow this out, you know, blow this away, come back tomorrow and figure things out. And I think that's what'll happen. I, I think you will hear. Tomorrow, this is the last practice before, obviously, the game on Sunday. I believe that you're going to hear from Elijah Moore tomorrow. I think he will speak to the press after Robert Sala speaks to his, the press, as he always does on Friday. Elijah Moore will be open to talk to the press. And Elijah is going to have a lot to, to, to discuss with the press. Right. He's going to have to apologize to his teammates. He's going to have to apologize to the management and, and, and the coaches because you're practically telling everybody that you're selfish and you're all about yourself and your numbers. Right. But even if he did get that designated off day from Robert Sala, maybe Robert Sala did say it internally, why are you posting all these tweets? Take your off day, spend some time with your family. That's fine. Take your, if you had, I know there, there was rumors that he had some kind of uh, family, family matter or tragedy, something like that. Maybe that has something to do with it. Okay. Then take the time off. Why are you posting all these cryptic tweets? Why are you posting five tweets in a span He's of an upset. hour? And yeah. I, and I There's think, no need to publicize it, though. I think at the end of this, in, in the next 24 hours, you're going to really hear uh, his apologies to the team. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that Joe Douglas isn't going to think about trading him. I'm sure there are teams ringing the Jets right now asking what they would want for Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. And I believe there are teams that are so desperate right now, they need power, they need offense, like the Green Bay Packers, that would open up their pockets and say, I'll give you our I'll give you our first round draft pick this year. Give me Elijah Moore. Because Elijah Moore can save the Green Bay Packers this year. They need a wide receiver that can create separation. Elijah Moore is absolutely capable of being that separation type of wide receiver. And and you've I've heard it on so many different shows. Some people say you can get a second and you could get a third. I think the Jets could get a first. I think the Jets can get a late first round draft pick for Elijah Moore. He's that talented. He is a number one wide receiver on a lot of different teams. Now uh-huh. has he proven it? No, because he can't stay healthy or he hasn't seen the ball enough. If you put him with Aaron Rodgers, forget it. Forget it. I mean, could you imagine him in the Green Bay Packers offense? It'd be scary good. And I, I, if I were the Green Bay Packers, I would reach out to the Jets. Obviously, he has a relationship with Robert Sully. He has a relationship. Mike, uh, Mike LaFleur. I mean, Matt LaFleur has a relationship with both his brother and Robert Sala. 
So why wouldn't he do that? Uh, do I think the Jets are going to trade him? No. Just like the Jets were in trading Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims right now is not even he's not even out on the field. He's never he's not even on the sidelines. The Jets could trade him. They won't. Before we go to break, uh, Kenny, shout out to him in the comments section. Yes, we are watching the Yankees game. Uh, five and two is a good uh, seven game record. And yes, it does seem like the rants of the night, Kenny, for sure. When we come back, we'll be talking to Southern Illinois Miners Chief Operating Officer and Public Speaker Mike Pinto here on the Sports Lab Mouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouse. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loud Mouse. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, our rant for Elijah Moore is now over. I'm sure a lot of Jet fans are probably uh, agreeing or disagreeing with us. I could care less. Uh, Elijah Moore needs to calm calm himself and act like a team player. But we have a a guy that knows a little bit about teamwork, and uh, he's going to join us for the first time on our show. We are now talking to Southern Illinois' Miners Chief Operating Officer and Public Speaker, Mike Pinto. Mike, what's up, bud? Well, guys, first of all, love the passion. Love it. Love it, love it. Well, thank you, man. We really appreciate it as a Jet fan. I am a Jet fan. He is a Giant fan. But Elijah Moore... It's just embarrassing. How do you go? You're you're playing on a winning team right now. The Jets are actually winning. This is something we haven't seen in a very long time. They're surprising the world. Their team is actually playing like a team. And you have a, a, a disgruntled player that because he's not touching or seeing the ball or even receiving the ball, he's complaining. So he wants to be traded. It's just absolutely Disrespectful, disrespectful for the organization and his teammates. Is isn't that any different than Chapman deciding he's not going to show up for a mandatory team workout because he's not sure if he's going to be on the playoff roster? You know, guys, the tail can't wag the dog. It, it can't. The tail cannot wag the dog. There's a big team out there, and one guy can't dictate what happens. That stuff drives me nuts. You know, it's so funny because you you mentioned Chapman and. Chapman is not on the Yankees roster. He probably will never be on the Yankees roster again uh, after not showing up to mandatory workouts. And you heard Aaron Boone. And right now, the Yankees could use a, Ch- a role to Chapman right now. Uh, this bullpen is very weak in so many areas than than we've seen, especially in the Cleveland series. They're using really three pitchers. This pit this. Uh, this series in the last two in the first two games, they've used different pitchers, but they haven't looked good, and that's because they had they were not a lot of these guys didn't they didn't play in the last series, so uh, it it hurts when you're you're sitting out for three or four games, and then you step in against one of these powerhouse teams like the Astros, and it, uh, these guys can hit. The, these are the best of the best, and 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 the Astros are one of the best teams and one of the best lineups in baseball. So, uh, Aroldis Chapman is is, is another uh, to me selfish player, and this is professional sports. You know this, Mike. These athletes make so much money. It isn't, it's not about the team anymore. It's about how much are they going to get on endorsements, how, many, how much money are they going to get when the contract is up, how long is it, their contract's going to be, and are they the highest paid or one of the highest paid players at their positions, right or wrong? 
that, that's very true. Uh, and, and the game has shifted to this, not only in baseball, but you saw it a number of years ago with basketball, where all of a sudden players are saying, I want to play this place and I want to play with this team and you're going to trade me. And again, it's that's the situation of the the tail wagging the dog, but it's become a star system now. Um, I I understand exactly what Brian uh, uh, Brian and um, uh, Aaron Boone did in that yeah. situation. I I if I were in the same boat, I would have done the very same thing. You you cannot let a guy not show up in that situation. Uh, it's too important. The team is too important. So I want to ask in terms of the general landscape of baseball, we've seen it definitely get bad with basketball where it seems like a player-run league. We're seeing it a little bit in the NFL right now, but do you ever see baseball getting to that point with the way these GMs and these rules are? Sadly, it seems to be going more and more that way. Um, it, it's becoming a star system now. I mean, look at the money. I think back to, I had the chance, 1985, a long time ago, I had met Ricky Henderson, uh, down in spring training when he had just signed with the Yankees and he was making then $3 million. And I remember guys saying, Oh, now we've gone over the top. Nobody's ever going to make more than this. And now we're talking about guys making $30 million. The game certainly has changed. I mean, I love this game guys. You got to know I'm that kid from the sandlot. You know, I was playing baseball from the minute I got up in the morning till the moment I had to be home at night and did it every day. And, you know, you, you went to the park. If you didn't have enough guys, you know, right field was out. You know, if you had less guys, pitcher's hand was out. If you had less than that, you're playing up against the wall. And so, I mean, I love this game. But there's a lot of things about this game I don't like where it's going right now. We are talking to Southern Illinois Miners Chief Operating Officer and Public Speaker Mike Pinto. You know, Mike. If I could correct you really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the miners no longer exist. We, mm. uh, our owners, John and uh, Jane Simmons, retired from owning a professional baseball team mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the 2021 season. Um, we had an extraordinary run, um, and I arguably worked for the best owners in all of professional baseball. Um, we, we had quite a run and, and did things really right and kept it off when we uh, ended up selling the stadium and all of that. We uh, had a giant party at Wrigley Field, rented Wrigley Field, wow. and we had uh, players from all over the country fly in and be part of our celebration of what we had done. Well, that's amazing. So uh, we're, we're talking to a chief operating officer and public speaker, Mike Pinto. <laughs> there you go. But uh, I, 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 I look at the game of baseball. And I I think baseball has changed completely. I mean, you bring in Rob Manford, who I think is the biggest idiot in, in professional sports. I, I just think the guy has ruined the game of baseball, and I think that has a lot to do why Theo Epstein didn't take the Met job and why he's sitting waiting for 2024 when it could open up, where he could become the new commissioner of baseball. Maybe could happen. I think he's a great baseball mind. But you look at some of these great baseball minds, Brian Cashman being one of them. We, we just mentioned Theo Epstein and some of, the, some of these young guys that are coming up right now. Are you surprised uh, of the way the game has really changed as far as the rules are concerned and some of the, the disadvantages that some of these players have now than they had in the, the 80s and the 70s and the 60s? Well, yeah, they certainly are have a lot of advantages now that they never had before right. in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things about the game right now, guys. I, I don't like, and like I said, as a fan of the game, 
I'm watching the game last week. And again, I'm a diehard. So I'm going to watch that Astros-Seattle game through 18 innings and through no scoring in 18 innings and 40, count them, 40 strikeouts. So I'm going to ask you, is the average fan just walking away because the game is sold out now to home runs and strikeouts? Hmm. And the game as, frankly, as I grew up loving, the real game where there were so many more things involved. But uh, the game has changed, and guys are throwing harder than they ever have. And I credit Theo right now with he's trying to find solutions to how do we make this product more adaptable. The yeah. NFL's done a great job over the years. The NBA has made adjustments over the years. Baseball fans are diehards, and they don't want to see any changes happening to the game, but I think it has to happen. So what about some of the changes we saw after the lockout, too, with the players themselves, uh, some of the contract negotiations? Do you like a lot of those and also the rule changes, too, that may be upcoming soon? Well, I think some of the rules changes were necessary. Um, I was as a field manager. And so, you know, I managed in Southern Illinois before taking over the chief operating officer role. And nobody gathered more information in independent professional baseball than we did. And I loved the shift. I loved it. Um, it gave me advantages because I had information other teams didn't have. But it's how many balls are you seeing today that were hit up the middle that are outs now? The the line drive to right field, it's an out. And uh, so I'm hoping that maybe that brings some more offense. Maybe some guys' approaches will change now. And it won't be an all or nothing swing that you'll see guys – you know, a B swing can win a ball win a ball game as well. It doesn't have to be the all out. I'm going for the downs. Sometimes the B swing, you know, taking the ball to right field. Sometimes that can win a game. Now, Mike, uh, steroids has ruined baseball in a lot of people's eyes. I don't believe it has. Okay, there are guys like Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, guys that really saved baseball. Baseball was down. Hill in, in the 90s. With that strike, Bud Selig needed to find somebody and a savior. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's run really helped. And then Barry Bonds, uh, this guy was a Hall of Famer before he even did steroids. 400 home runs, 400 stolen bases. There's still no players in Major League history that has those kind of numbers. The guy's a Hall of Famer, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. He'll probably never be. Roger Clemens will never be in the Hall of Fame. This guy had 3,000 strikeouts before he even left the Red Sox. And and this guy should be a Hall of Famer. Half of these guys should be Hall of Famers, but they're never going to be because obviously the writers are the ones that are voting. And if they don't like the guy or – listen, David Ortiz, okay, there is – there are some stories that he did do steroids. Why was he a first ballot Hall of Famer? When you have Barry Bonds, who was a better player than he was, much better player than he was. Roger Clemens was a better player at his position than he ever was. Why aren't those guys in the Hall of Fame? I believe, Mike, that it, except in combat sports, steroids should be allowed. If these players want to do steroids, let them do steroids. They'll be on the field. They're making so much money. They're making ridiculous money. You want to see your best players on the field. So if it keeps them on the field, let them do it. What happens to them in the future? That's not your problem. It's not. Their limbs, their hearts, their spleens, they're ruining their bodies. Let them ruin their bodies. Well, first off, I agree with you 100% about Clemens and Bonds. They were both Hall of Famers. Um, 
there there was an era before this as well where they used amphetamines. So mm-hmm. uh, do we have asterisks there? Yeah. All right. So put these guys in the Hall of Fame where they belong. Um, what I don't like is it certainly did affect records. Mm-hmm. And and I think legacy matters. I think legacy in the game matters. Records matter. And that's where changing rules and things like that can get in the way. But uh, I think they belong in the Hall of Fame. I, I think now that they have some controls, I they had no controls at that point. I think now they have some controls. I'd rather guys not take that stuff and be healthy. And as, as a COO of an organization, an obligation of ours was to make sure our guys stayed healthy as best we could. So I think the game holds that responsibility to do that. And with that comes a balance. But you still see guys. I mean, look at Aaron Judge is still yeah. without steroids hitting 62 home runs. Do you think? Do you think he has a if being that steroids is not allowed? Do you think eventually, twenty years from now, if that record is never broken, sixty-two is never broken? Do you believe that eventually it'll be put in the record books that he was the one that broke Roger Maris's record, not Mark McGuire, not Sammy Sosa, not Barry Bonds? It was Aaron Judge. Do you think we're going to see that? I don't think so. I don't think so. But you asked earlier about Clemens and Bonds. How does Ortiz get in Mm -hmm. and when they don't? I think it's simply that the media liked David Ortiz. Mm -hmm. He was a soundbite. He was a friendly soundbite. He was available. Um, I think Bonds and Clemens maybe weren't as um, media friendly Mm -hmm. as Ortiz was. Unfortunately, it's the writers who get the vote. Hopefully the Veterans Committee or whatever that committee turns out to be as they – keep changing it, will give these guys to do and, and get them in. Mike, wasn't David Ortiz shot? Wasn't he almost killed in Dominican Republic? Yeah, I had heard, I had heard that. Yeah, and I'm not saying, and I, I thank God he's alive, but was Barry Bonds shot at? Was Roger Clemens shot at? I mean, we don't even know why he was shot at. So everybody keeps talking about this guy, that guy, and why, you know, why this guy shouldn't be in. David Ortiz was a fan favorite and all that other stuff. It doesn't make any sense. It is you. I understand the writers. I understand why they don't like the guys. That does Albert Bell should be in the Hall of Fame. I've been saying that for a long, long time. Look at the seven years Albert Bell's Albert Bell dominated as a professional baseball player. You're never going to see numbers like that again. Seven years long enough to dominate to go in the Hall of Fame. Let, let me let me give you the numbers of Albert Bell, and I, I'll I'll tell you this because you can compare these numbers to some of the greatest uh, numbers in baseball history. Here, I'm going to bring up Albert Bell. What do we do before baseball reference, by the way? <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah, you're right. I've had to go to some of those uh, rotisserie, like, fantasy baseball charts or whatever it was. My uncle will say that they had those, like, coding systems and, like, typewriters and stuff. <laughs> I used to get a book, guys. It was this thick. And you would get it a couple times a year and it would update all the stats and – that's what we relied on in order. If I was going to sign a player, I would need to pull that book out and try to pull a player's history up. It was it was really difficult. Listen to this. 1990. Uh, let's go. I'm trying to figure out where we could start. All right. Let's start. Let's start in 92. 92. He played 153 games, 34, 35, no, 34 home runs, 112 RBIs. 93. 38 home runs, 129 RBIs, 94. Um, 
36 home runs, 101 RBIs, 95. Um, 50 home runs, 121 RB, 126 RBIs. Then in 90, um, 96, he had 48 home runs, 148 RBIs. 97, he had 30 home runs, 160, 116 RBIs. 98, he had 49 home runs, 152 RBIs. 99, he had um, 49 home runs. 107, I'm sorry, uh, 99, he had 37 home runs, 117 RBIs. And then in 2000, he had 23 home runs, 103 RBIs. Are you kidding me? That's 10 years. That's 10 years yeah. of dominance. For sure. That, that They do say, by the way, today, and I entirely disagree with this, that the RBI is overrated, and uh, that's really not a good stat. Um, I'll tell you what, as a manager – I certainly like the guy that in the moment had the ability to drive a run in. And that is a skill. That's not a, just a statistic. There are guys that have the ability. I'll help you. I'll help you out with that. Listen you to this. Drive a run in. Listen to this. Batting average, 282. Batting average, 290. Batting average, 357. Batting average, 317. Batting average, 311. Batting average, 274. 328. 297. 281. 295. Come on. I mean, look yeah, at these numbers. You make a great case. I, I mean, this guy is a Hall of Famer. You want to, you want to know his slugging? I mean, it's ridiculous. Why is he not in consideration? He didn't like the press. He never liked to speak to the press. And when the press wanted the the press wanted to talk to him, he pretty much told him to fly a kite. He never wanted to speak to him. But so because he didn't want to speak to them, you're going to just toss him to the side and say he's garbage. I mean, give me a break. I lived in Chicago. I've lived in Chicago my whole life to moving to Texas a couple years ago. And uh, we had a guy named Ron Sano. Mm, I know Ron Sano. Yeah. That was Ronnie. And they, the media hated him. Mm -hmm. And it took years after he retired to get on the radio. He was the Cubs uh, kind of analyst on the radio for years to finally warm guys up enough, but they still wouldn't let him in before he passed away. Wow. And I, I think that was tragic because Ron Santa was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, just so you know, it the the Yankees are down to their last out. It's three to two, and it looks like the Yankees are going to go back to New York, down two to zero. Uh, guys, you know, you said something about you know they could use Chapman. Mm. I'll tell you what they really can use is they were a team built on offense, and they're not hitting right now. And they're not hitting with guys in scoring position. Yesterday at Donaldson, second and third. And as mm -hmm. a manager, I will tell you, and I know hitting is not easy, and especially not hitting against, easy against a guy like Verlander. But you give me a guy with second and third and one out, you know what? The B swing will work for me. I, I, I want to run. I got to get something. Mike. I can't, I, can't, I can't have a strike out there. It's Josh Donaldson. His A-swing's essentially he, First of all, he's up. He's the final ad for the Yankees. That's one. Number two, number two, these umpires have been horrible so far in this in this series. They gave Justin Verlander strikes, and, and Verlander doesn't need any help from the umpires. Okay? They were giving him strikes when they weren't even close to the strike zone. And it, it's just, it's horrible. And I'm not saying it's... Hey, listen, they're trying to screw the Yankees. I'm not, I don't believe that, okay? What I do believe is be fair to both teams. Be fair. 
If you're going to give Justin Verlander those corners when the Yankee pitchers are pitching there, why aren't you calling strikes over there for them? That, that to me, is just absolutely ridiculous. I don't want to hear about the home team. Are you going to do the same when you go back to New York? The Yankees are the home team. Are they going to get the calls? Because yeah. it's Guys, not right. You're touching such a subject with me. Had you talked to me five years ago on this subject, right. you and I could be on all night arguing how um, – we shouldn't change the game. Right. But you know what? Tennis figured it out. And they had line judges for years. I mean, you guys remember Johnny McEnroe? Of course. Absolutely wearing line judges and referees <laughs> out, right? And um, now they don't have line judges at the U.S. Open. They don't need them because the technology is perfect. Um, I saw this year in AAA. They're now using a system in AAA Pitcher throws a ball, um, it's down, it's low, umpire calls a strike. Hitter does this, top of his helmet. That's a sign, I'm going to appeal. Mm-hmm. And instantly, on the big screen, you can see the the pitch trajectory, and it says decision, ball, or strike. Mm-hmm. It happens within 15 seconds, and I think we're at a point now where why since we have that available, let's stop fighting. Let's yeah. stop fighting this. I think you're going to have less dejections. You're going to have less emotions, less fights with the umpires, um, less where the umpire maybe has an agenda, you know, dealing with a guy, you know, like Buckner or Hernandez. Um, you're not dealing with that. Right. It's pretty simple. It's a ball or a strike. Now, I wanted to respond to that quickly because you mentioned the tennis aspect of it. They have the where if the ball is like even a fraction on the line, it's in or, again, it's out if it still has that area. Same kind of thing with other sports like soccer with the offsides. Well, Olympic volleyball, I've seen it too. But in baseball, it's different because you have all, all these different types of pitches and spin rate motions that it could go in. So how, how would you classify that in that case? Would you have it where it's like right on the strike zone is a strike or just barely? Does that have to be majority? What do you think? Is, is barely a strike. If it if it crosses that line of where it is, it's a strike. If it doesn't, it's a ball. Um, I love Greg Maddox, pitched in Chicago. I'm a big admirer of his, but he got better as he got older, as the strike zone got wider. Tom Glavin, you know, it, we watched that happen, both both of them with the Braves. What was, what was Glavin getting off the plate? Mm. 12 inches sometimes? Right. I want to take that away from the game and it's, I'm not being critical of the umpires. What I'm saying is I want it to be right. You want it to be fair. Yeah. Let's make it since we can get it right. Let's get it right. I agree. As everybody knows, uh, we are talking to operating officer and public speaker, Mike Pinto. You know, Mike baseball is very unique by itself. and, And we've seen so many great players and, even the players now, there are a bunch of re- players over the last couple of years that have retired. I mean, Albert Pujols was one of the greatest right-handed hitters we have ever seen. Miguel Cabrera is retiring this year. One of the uh, another great right-handed hitter that we've seen. Are you surprised that it's been a very, very long time where we have seen, you know, dominant hitters, dominant right-handed hitters like this that are now leaving the game of baseball because the last one I remember is Vladimir Guerrero. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. We are losing some really good players, but the one thing we know about this game, mm-hmm. I grew up in the era of Mickey Mantle and love Mickey Mantle. Switch hitter, yep. Switch hitter. Um, there, we're now, but the game cycles, 
and there are always new guys coming in. And that's one of the things. If you look at Major League Baseball today, the feeling is there's always a new generation. So I managed independent ball, right? Mm -hmm. And so my guys were the guys that got pushed out. And so a term in affiliated baseball, move up or move out. So can you imagine being a shortstop for the Yankees on your way up? And you're doing a great job going up through the system. But you had Derek Jeter at the top. Mm. You're not going anywhere. So at some point, they get squeezed out because the next generation is coming. And you either go to independent ball or, or try to get on with another team. And that's where the game is gone now. Always new blood coming in. There's not a lot of right-handed power hitters that go to the Hall of Fame. I mean, like I said, the last one that I could remember, Jim Tomei. I mean, if you want to say Jim, Jim Tomei was a right-handed hitter, right? Speaking no, Jim no, Tomei was, no, was a left. He was left. So, so really, it was Vladimir Guerrero. Vladimir Guerrero was the last power right-handed hitter to go to the Hall of Fame. And you have two guys now, Pujols and and uh, Miguel Cabrera. These guys are going to go to the Hall of Fame. They're right-handed hitters. So who else do we have coming up? Who who else even fits in that profile? Probably Aaron Judge would be the closest thing right now. <sighs> Aaron Judge. And by the way, that Carpenter struck out and he did not swing. And that, that's another thing. They, they're they getting all the calls. The Astros are getting all the calls. And I'm, I'm a Yankee fan, yes. And people are going to probably say, I'm sticking up for the Yankees. They are getting every single call in this series. Every single call. And I hope them going home for three games. I hope the Yankees get the calls being that they're at home. If I see that the Astros are still getting calls in Yankee Stadium, the Yankees have to reach out to the MLB, and they have to have this investigated because this has been going – I'm not saying the umpires are cheating, okay? I'm not saying that. But it's kind of fishy. Watch the game. Watch the tonight's game. The Speedy's been watching the game. Every single Vlad, Valdez has been throwing throwing the pitches. If it's anywhere close to the strike zone, it's a strike. Then you watch the Yankees pitchers. <laughs> By the way, he didn't swing. Look. He stopped. That's not a fully swing. Would you call that a strike? Speedy, you watching it? Hello? Yeah, no. Look, no, I was trying to see where the pitch was. Yeah, no, that, that, that that's not a swing. I was just trying to see where the pitch was. That's not a swing. Did but he call the, it on the swing or the... No, they called it on a swing. They was, called him on a swing. It was, it was a pitch pretty much in the dirt. It wasn't know. even close. I, yesterday, how many times did the Yankee pitchers get them on a three, full swing? Three times in the last four innings. <laughs> it was part, It was sloppy and, both ways the first five innings. And then it really, like Errol was saying, there were three times that were notable that it got They were biased. strikes. They were strikes and they called them not swings. And this... There's a website that gives a re- kind of report card of uh, the umpires in their games and okay. what key pitches they, they missed. I looked for that today online, and I didn't see it. Yeah, I know the NBA has that for, the, like, the two-minute report with the, their referees. I don't know if they have that with MLB directly at the umpires, but I know what you're talking about. It I'm pisses not sure me if it's off. a direct impact. It just yeah. pisses me off. The, the league needs to look at this because you can't honestly tell me the Yankees are playing against themselves. They're playing against themselves. They're not playing against the Astros. They're playing against themselves. The umpires are giving them every single call. Nobody, everybody was saying all over radio today. Everybody was saying it. Nobody needs to give Justin Verlander better opportunities to get strikeouts. This guy is going to get you out no matter what. Why is he getting all the calls? The balls weren't even close to the strike zone, and he was getting a call for strikes. 
It, it, to me, it, how do you expect Aaron Judge to get, you know, to figure out the strike zone? How do you expect your best players to figure out where the strike zone is and where it is and where it's not? That's why John Carlos standing yesterday at the end of the game, they were asking questions. Where did you, what did you think about the strike zone? He says it was big. Okay, I mean that's pretty much telling you it doesn't matter where the ball's going; it's probably going to be called for a strike. One of the things that has driven me crazy over the years with umpires is they go, "Well, that's my zone. That's my. That's where I'm. Call- I'm calling it down in a way. I'm sorry, guys. There's not a your zone. There's a strike zone. You're calling the strike zone, or you're not calling the strike zone. And you don't get your zone. And I think that's something that with you're going to see more people yelling for robotic umpiring after this playoff series yeah. than ever before. Right. Well, I'm I'm screaming for it right now because yesterday was the worst umpiring I've ever seen. When the the balls were low, they were calling strikes. And this catcher, by the way, they call it framing. <laughs> Unfortunately, a trait that's taught now. Yeah. He he's framing. The ball is low, and he's bringing his glove up when he catches it, and they're calling it a strike. It is down under the knees, and they're calling it strikes. Okay, I don't want to hear about this framing. If that's going to help the, if this is going to help the game robotics, then get the robotics involved with it because these pitchers, Verlander, Valdez, they don't need anybody's help to win games. And if the Yankees are are trying to figure out what the strike zone, and they don't know when to swing and when not to swing. To me, it, it bothers me as a as a fan because it, it's almost an automatic out. How many times were they struck out tonight? I think they struck out twelve times, right, Speedy? I'll look that look up. That up. Ahead, Yesterday Mike. was seventeen. Mike, Go ahead, Mike, I'm Go ahead, sorry. Mike, you're about yeah. to say something. So, so you think about it. If Aaron Judge, they call that pitch on Judge that's down near his ankle, and a guy calls it a strike, and he goes, "You know, I'm going to appeal that," and it's reviewed and overturned, I'll tell you what, you're going to start seeing umpires start bringing it up. If they're, if they're held accountable for those balls and strikes, which they are not now, they're not. Umpires union is the strongest, maybe the strongest in the country. Very small number of people involved in very strong union, but we need, we need the calls, right? Right. I'm not saying pro Yankee, pro Astros. I'm, I'm, I'm for the game. I want I want the calls right. Yeah. I want to take personality. 13 strikeouts. 13 strikeouts to the Yankees six. And 17 yesterday. And 17 yesterday. So you're telling me, you're telling me in two games, the Astros have almost triple the amount of strikeouts than the Yankees have. Triple. Be that uh, uh, the Astros pitchers did better. That that'll be the argument. Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, they, they, I, I'm, I'm no, not saying okay. you. I'm right. not saying you. But it, it, it's pretty fishy when you're looking. When you look at these numbers, they're astronomically different. Astro, look, Loizaga and Peralta. Though these guys, these guys have been shut down. You know, you know, uh, relief pitchers for the Yankees. Really, really, in the last month of September, they didn't have one strikeout. One strikeout when they were in. One of them pitched two innings. The other one pitched one inning. What does that tell you? uh, Two strikeouts yesterday or none? I'm sorry? uh, Jameson Talion last night. I I think he had four. Oh, he had four for the night. Okay. At one point, I I looked at the box score in-game, and he didn't have many. He had four. And and, and by the way, Justin Verlander had, I think, 12. And the rest rest of the team had, uh, I think... Uh, 
I think five or something. Verlander like had that. 11. 11. The relief pitchers had six. Tyone didn't have any for the game. Okay, uh, he oh, he didn't have any? He didn't out. have any. The only two guys is, that had strikeouts were Trevino and Montes. Which, which is very fishy, too. Which, is, uh, which Tyone is a strikeout pitcher. So that's very fishy, too. So it, it just, I'm telling you, there, there's something going on. And I thought he had four strikeouts. I, I didn't even look at the box score. So that shows you how much I gave a crap from last night. I was so upset. But... Uh, the league needs to look at this. And I'm telling you right now, if they go back to Yankee Stadium and the Astros are getting calls still and the Yankees aren't, being, being that they're the home team, I, I'm, I'm telling you, the Yankee fans need to say something. The, the Yankee fans need to do something to get the umpires to understand what's going on. And they know what's going on. You hear talk radio tomorrow in New York. Uh, they're going to be crazy. Oh, I'm calling to listen. Uh, I was gonna say, don't be surprised if Errol vents tomorrow on one of those shows. I, listen, I, I there's a lot of people that know who I am in the industry. They know me very, very well, and I don't call talk radio shows because I do a talk radio show, right, and people right. call my show, and 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 they bug the hell out of me. I believe there's something going on here. I'm not saying it's the. I, I'm not saying that the Astros are cheating and they're paying the umpires. I don't believe that, but it's kind of fishy. That the and I think baseball wants the Astros to win a championship because of obviously their cheating scandal a couple of years ago, and baseball let them keep their championship when a lot of people thought they should have taken it away from them. So I think baseball wants the Astros to win to kind of shut everybody up for what happened, you know, years and years ago when they robbed the Yankees for possibly a World Series, you know. So and the Dodgers, I think Major League Baseball and certainly the networks. They want the Yankees to win. I mean, you're talking about a demographic for um, for viewership through the roof if the Yankees win. I don't think they want the Yankees to win. I, I don't. I, the Yankees are the hated. They they are they have the biggest fan base. In, in professional sports, but they also, if you're not a fan of them, you hate them. And they, everybody, everybody wants to see the Yankees go down. They are the, uh, they're, what do they call them? The evil the empire. Evil the yep. evil empire. Meanwhile, they haven't won since 2009. So that's how evil their empire is. Okay. So it, it just doesn't make any sense. And I, I just think baseball needs to look at this, that there's no way that Jamison Tayone had no strikeouts yesterday, and Verlander had eleven, and 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 the strikes were, and Tayone was not getting the calls. He was not. Watch the game. He was not getting the call. He was throwing the ball in the same places as Verlander. Right or wrong, Speedy? You watched the game. Yeah. Right or wrong? Uh, most was, of it. Yeah. Most of it was towards the end of the game. I thought for me, but yeah, there were a couple. He was throwing balls in the same place, and they were calling it balls. And then Guys, I'm going to find this umpire report from yesterday. Absolutely, I want I, you to. Do I will it. email it to you. When I want I, you to do it. I located. I want because you to do it. I, I know it was bad. I, I believe me. I'm not arguing with you. I think in the end, Theo Epstein's a really sharp guy, and I think he's trying to find solutions to this. I really do think robotic umpiring is going to be a thing. Um, what whether it's all the time or whether it's an appeal basis. I bet we're going to see that before long because ultimately the integrity of the game, take out the personalities, take out the I'm pissed off at this player or this team, take out the I favor this team or I don't. We want it to be right. Let's get it right. Mm. Well, we really appreciate you, Mike, as always. And uh, we'd love to get you on again. This is the first time you've been on the show. And I appreciate fant- it, guys. It was a lot of fun. You're fantastic. You really are. You know the game very, very well. And uh, tell the fans how they can find you on social media. 
um, at Mike Pinto three. Well, there you go. And uh, we'll get you on very, very soon after the season. We'll talk about the off season for some of these baseball teams and where they should go, but uh, you're fantastic. And uh, we'll get you on soon. Thank you for joining us. Anytime guys. Thanks for having me. Mike Pinto, uh, former Southern Illinois Miners uh, Chief Operating Officer, and he is a public speaker. So, fantastic guy. Really, really nice guy. Absolutely, Russ. When we come back, we will be talking to a giant guy. Yes, sir. A giant elite guy, as we will be talking Elite Sports New York Giants and NFL writer Ryan Honey here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number. Check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths, a late edition of the Sports Loudmouths. I was actually DJing. I did a, a nice little party. Out there on the harbors of Patchogue, uh, I, I will say this. And before we get our guest in, and I, it, it is funny. It, it's not a funny story because I was pissed off. I was I was supposed to MC the party, okay? I was supposed to MC this party. And I don't know if anybody knows what MC does. He talks on a mic. You're not supposed to be DJing. I walk into the party, and I was told, uh, you're supposed to be DJing the party. I didn't have my DJ equipment. I remember I live in Wisconsin, which is about 30 minutes away from my house. All right. So I had to drive all the way home to pick up my equipment and drive all the way back. Got there a half an hour late to do a Halloween party. Okay. Uh, it just, and I was, it was the quickest I've ever put my, my equipment in my car. It took me four minutes to put my equipment in my car. And you're talking about a ton of stuff. Speedy, you've seen it. Mm-hmm. Four minutes. I ran it up the stairs, got into my car and drove all the way back to the Harbor. So congratulations to me, but we're not going to get into that. Let's get into our next guest. We are now talking to elite sports, New York giants and NFL writer, Ryan honey, Ryan, what's up, man? Guys, thanks for having me having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, your Giants are five and one. They're one of the yeah. hottest teams in the NFL right now. Before we get into that, how are you and your family doing from COVID? Obviously, it's now long gone. Thank God, and now we can move on with our lives. Yeah, doing great. Uh, I mean, I live in the city right now. My parents are back uh, more upstate New York. So, uh, yeah, they're doing fine. I mean, my dad's a teacher. My mom's. Um, Excuse me, my sister is also a teacher. Wow. So uh, my dad got sort of the that, you know, for a year had to be sometimes in, sometimes out, mm-hmm. doing virtual. And obviously that's a mess at times. So, but yeah, doing well. And um, yeah, can't ask for much more. Well, that's always good. So why don't we get into your Giants? Are you surprised that the Giants are five and one going into week seven of the football season? Yeah. How could you not be? I remember writing an article like five months ago or four months ago, whatever it was, saying that they could be contenders for the number one overall pick. I thought they were winning three, I, three, four games, something somewhere around the range of what they won last year. Um, I thought the coaching staff situation was obviously better. Um, and you could see it through six games. It's light years better. I mean, Joe Judge's team loses to that Ravens by 20. It doesn't come close to beating Green Bay out in London. Doesn't happen. Um, I mean, Joe Judge, uh, Joe Judge team right now, if Joe Judge was still the coach. That team's not five and one. They're more towards, you know, mm-hmm. the two and four range, one and five, whatever the case may be. So I knew the coaching staff was going to be better, but they still had the same pieces on offense. 
um, still dealing with the Kenny Galladay tenure, the Kadarius Tony tenure, who knows when those are actually going to start um, <laughs> and still dealing with, you know, Daniel Jones has his limitations. So, and I thought the defensive backfield was just so young that Wink Martindale was not going to be able to rely on that unit when utilizing his exotic blitz packages, you know, especially with James Bradbury, they had to give up in the off season. Same uh, with Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers is no longer here. So, but yeah, it's, it is the shock of the year thus far. I know everyone's loves that the jets are four and two. I know that everyone expected, um, you know, especially with Wilson coming back, who knows what's going to happen. And now they're three and zero with Zach under center. Uh, but the giants are the shock of the league thus far, much bigger shock than Philly. Philly was a good team last year. Philly has a good roster. Philly has a good coach. Um, I think the Giants being five and one is a much bigger surprise. I'm not shocked. Than- that, I'm not. The, I'm not shocked that the Giants. I because are. I am shocked that they're five and one right now. But yeah. I had the Giants winning eight or nine games this year. I really did. I, I think their eight schedule. Or nine, really? Yeah, their schedule is very easy. I mean, the yeah. NFC East schedule. First of all, you're playing against. The Dallas Cowboys, you don't even know offensively what they are. They have a good defense, but you mm-hmm. don't know what they are offensively. You're, the Eagles are a good team, absolutely. So let's put the Eagles out. Washington Commanders, I mean, you could win both of those games right there. So, yeah. I, I mean, if you win one game against the Cowboys and two games against the Washington Commanders, that's three wins right there. And now yeah. look at what the Giants have coming up right now. They have Seattle. Oh, yeah. They have the Texans. They have the Jaguars. I mean, the Giants could be going in their bye week 8-1. and one. I know. Yeah. And that's what's funny is like they have these four games coming up, Jacksonville, Seattle, Texans and Lions. And even if they just go two and two in that stretch, even if they don't catch a break this game, you know, someone gets hurt that game, they go two and two during that stretch. You're still looking at a seven and three team. And that's why I think even six weeks in the this team's got to start thinking about playoff aspirations, especially in that conference, which is so much weaker than the AFC. They I mean, could Tampa. They could have the best record in the NFC. I mean, yeah. the way their <laughs> schedule is. I mean, right. could you imagine the Giants end the season with the best record and having full home field advantage going into the play? Could I? It could happen with this schedule the way it's falling yeah. for them. It, it's Absolutely. crazy. It is crazy. Especially, it's not just these four games coming up. They still have tw- twice. You got to play the Commanders. You don't know, <laughs> know. their you don't know their quarterback situation. You don't know their head coach situation. I think Ron Rivera is on is on the hot seat, veering no towards question. the exit sign with every loss. Mm-hmm. I just I don't get how they can roll the dice with him over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. Oh, if only they had a guy like the guy in Minnesota. <laughs> Who's oh. Zimmer? Uh, no, no, no. The uh, the quarterback in Minnesota. If only they had a guy like oh, him. Oh, 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 God. Yeah, oh, yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, well, yeah. Also, the coach in Minnesota, too, who used to he, be yeah. on the Washington staff. That great staff yeah, exactly. of uh, Sean McVay, Kyle well, Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, and uh, and Kevin O'Connell all were with Washington at some point. And, but... <laughs> and uh, Mike McDaniel as well. Oh, Mike McDaniel, too? Guys. Wow. Okay, I didn't even realize yeah. that. I, they showed, of, yeah. yeah, they showed the well, graphic they... during the Packers-Vikings game, and they showed it again with the, uh, the Rams and the 49ers game, all the guys that were on his staff, because obviously... Obviously, Kyle Shanahan's dad used to coach there too, and again, all those yeah. guys were in there at some point in that mix. So, they get up all that graphic. You'll see that's the new graphic you'll see every time two of those guys face each other. <laughs> just that you're going to see that graphic every time, and that's all they're going to say. That's just how it is. Instead, you get Dan Snyder's dysfunction. 
and uh, exactly all yeah. that. So uh, my question is about the uh, the defense in particular because they, yes, we knew they had the edge rushers with the way they drafted the last couple of years, but the rest of the team getting patched together that all those bad contracts they got, got gotten rid of. So what have been your impressions so far of some of the young defensive players in that secondary and on the defensive line as a whole? Yeah, well, I mean, you saw late in last in a Sunday's game. Uh, that's why they drafted Kayvon Thibodeau. You know, that's why they used the number five overall pick on Kayvon Thibodeau. So he makes clutch late game plays such as the strip sack of Lamar Jackson that sealed the deal. Um, so he's he's been great ever since coming back from injury. I know he missed the first couple of games. Uh, and then you got guys like, you know, Micah McFadden is stepping up, especially after the shocking release of Blake Martinez. And uh, I know Micah McFadden might get push for playing time moving forward, especially with Jalen Smith now in the mix. You got these young defensive backs. I mean, this defensive backfield is coming together. It's, it's that unit has impressed me so much since week one, because that was what Giants fans were scared of was the inexperience in that unit, especially when Wink Martindale is going to be relying on them to run man coverage week in and week out. So he can use his blitz packages. That's a unit, especially with guys, young guys like, uh, Dane Belton, you know, I know uh, Xavier McKinney is only in year three. He's already looking like a star. Adoree Jackson is playing his best football. Uh, Fabian Moreau is really taking advantage of the opportunity he has, especially in the absence of Aaron Robinson. So the young guys on that defense are really coming together, and they're so well coached. The Julian Love interception against Baltimore, I remember uh, a couple days ago on the um, the Zoom call with Brian Dable and some of the players, O'Shane Zimenez had said that he was lining up at the left guard over the left guard. He went to go rush the passer. Once he saw the snap go over Lamar's head, he knew he wasn't catching him. So he peeled back in coverage. And if Love didn't make that play on the ball, Zimenez likely would have deflected it for an incompletion. But like, that's it. Like, that's what good coaching does where you could set these players up and you could teach these players how to succeed and how to produce even when the play goes off script. Like that, that's, that's something that Joe Judge missed and Jason Garrett missed the last couple of years <laughs> is being able to succeed when you have to ad-lib. And so just watching O'Shane Zimenez and hearing O'Shane Zimenez talk about how he ad-libbed that play and was able to almost make a play if Love didn't, that, that's, that's Wink Martindale right there. And that's all Wink Martindale has done for the first six weeks, done a tremendous job. And that defense is one of the more impressive units when you look at just the the amount of talent and just the inexperience in and around that unit. We are talking to Elite Sports, New York Giants, and NFL writer Ryan Honey. You know, I'm looking at the Giants' uh, schedule right now. They have the Jaguars, the Seahawks, the Texans, the Lions, the Cowboys, the Commanders. They might not lose until the Eagles. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to blow – I'm not a Giant fan. I'm a Jet fan. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I don't like the Giants, but – I have to give him my – I like Dable. I always liked him. I, I I really wanted him to be the Jets coach. Before they got Robert Sala, I liked Dable, but the Jets couldn't interview him because uh, he actually was coaching and, and the offensive coordinator for the AFC title game. And the Jets wanted to solve their problem at the um, at the coaching position. So they, they were sealing the deal with Robert Sala. But um, the Jaguars are not playing good football right now. Uh, the Seahawks, that's a game that could go either way. The Texans, they're playing, they've been playing hard all season long. They're, the Giants are better than they are. Uh, the Lions have been crap. I mean, the Cowboys, you just don't know what. I mean, the Giants lost a game that they could have won a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. And then the Commanders, let's be honest, who are they? So, the, honestly, one, two, three, four, five. 
the Giants could win four of the next five games, and they could go into what is it week um, week twelve? Like week sixteen? Week? Or are you looking at? Um, I'm, I'm looking at the game. I'm right here. Week. It's right over here. One, two, three, four. Week thirteen. The 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 Giants could go into week thirteen with. 11 wins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It's, it's nuts. Crazy. And it, 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 it alludes wins. to what I said before about the NFC. That that conference is just not – even the even the teams who are supposed to be good in that conference are not playing well. You know, Tom Brady and the Bucs can't find – just can't click. Um, Aaron Rodgers, you see, couldn't even score any points against the Giants' fifth cornerbacks uh, out in London. Uh, the 49ers, who knows, who knows what they are? Who knows what Jimmy G is? It's like – it's – it's such a weak conference right now that I think the Giants have – they have a very good opportunity, especially right now where it's still the sort of early part of the year moving towards midseason. Mm-hmm. Stack up wins now. So you're not trying to make up all this ground in December, January, whatever the case. Stack these wins up now so you could set yourself up for a good spot because if they go into, like you said, week 13 with 11 wins, you know, the next team in the NFC East could be the Cowboys with – eight, you know, who knows what happens with them? Who knows that they don't catch a break in a certain game or if there's injuries, like they could go into week 13 up, whatever it is, three games on the Cowboys in the standings with, uh, with, I would assume Philly's also there. Cause I don't think Philly's another team that I don't know. It's look at their schedule. It's like, where, where do they lose? Um, so I, I think Philly, if the Giants make the playoffs, it's going to be as a wild card, but you're right. I, they're going to go, they could go into week 13 with 11 wins. And even after that, like they still have two games against commanders. The Colts are, I don't know why they everybody stink. was so high in the Colts going they into stink. this year. All they did was pick up Matt Ryan, which I, I don't see much of a difference with Matt Ryan at, uh, his age versus Carson Wentz. Uh, and then you have, um, two games against the Eagles. I don't know about that. I honestly don't, I don't love those matchups. I, I, Philly is just way too – Philly has much more talent in my mind. And Minnesota's off to a great start. I mean, mm-hmm. give them credit. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell's come in, and all of a sudden they're 5-1. and one, And this is a – you look at Minnesota with Kirk Cousins, and that just, like, screams 8-8 eight and eight every single year. So the fact they're already 5-1, and one, I mean, you know, as long as you can win those couple of games, Vikings and Eagles, I think the Giants are set up pretty well. Vikings will be a hard matchup, though, because they're really their only big weakness is their their corners themselves. But the Giants receivers really, you trust them to be able to take advantage anyway, of those matchups. And if, yeah. you're, and if you're a Giant fan, you have to you have to look how lucky the Giants have been the last two weeks. I mean, the Aaron Aaron Rodgers was on what the 15 yard line. He had two or three chances to to close the deal in that game, and they blocked the ball back to back times. I mean, what are the chances that happened? And then Lamar Jackson, they're up twenty to ten with six minutes left, and he dropped the ball twice and cost the yeah. cost the Baltimore Ravens a chance to win that game. I mean, they a win is a win. It doesn't matter how lucky it is, but n- nobody in their wildest dreams would have thought that. And, and this could that just shows you that this could be a very special year for the Giants. It really could because mm-hmm. everything is falling right for them, and they believe in their coach. Everybody believes in their coach, including the press. They love him. So yeah. it, it's just it's crazy. He goes out there. He wears his Jordans. He goes up there. You see how happy he is when he walks off the field. He's, he's about to do a cartwheel. He's like 300 pounds, and he's ready to do a cartwheel. I mean, he's just the younger version of Andy Reid. He's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And he's the quarterback whisperer. I think he is the quarterback whisperer. Everybody keeps talking about North turnover the years and all these guys. This guy, you saw what he did with Josh Allen. 
and you can see what he's doing with Daniel Jones. I believe you see the growth of what Daniel jo- Daniel Jones has been this year. He's going to be even better next year. I it's yeah. it's it's going to he is going to be better. So get ready, Giant fans. I've said this from the beginning when they drafted this kid. This guy is going to be your quarterback of the future. I believe Dable will fix this kid and he'll turn him into a. I wouldn't say elite quarterback, but a top twelve quarterback in the NFL, and you can win with mm. him. You can win. Yeah, with he him. doesn't need to be an elite quarterback because the comparison is going to be Josh Allen because Dable helped develop. That's what's going to be the comparison. He doesn't need to be that type of elite quarterback. He already has similarities to Josh Allen. I know with the arm strength and the mobility, but he doesn't need to be a all pro quarterback. What he needs to do is they need to develop. So they, they need to find a pass game, right? Like, cause they can't just rely. I understand they've relied on defense. They've relied on Saquon Barkley and that's gotten them five wins in six weeks, but that's not what's going to win them games in January and potentially February. They need to develop a pass game. Is that all on him on Jones? Not entirely because they don't have anybody to throw to, right? I mean, Galladay is, can't stay on the field. Shepard's out for the year. Shepard's probably played his last down as a giant. Um, Kadarius Tony can't stay in the field. So now you're resorted to Darius Slayton, who you basically buried on the depth chart the entire preseason. Uh, and Richie James, David Sills, Wando Robinson's a rookie. I mean, he emerged last week, but who knows with him? Like, he could turn out to be a bust just as much as he could turn out to be a star. They need guys he can throw to. And that's why I think Giants fans should be excited about next year if they bring Jones back, is because if this team can win games right now with this roster, think of what they'll be able to do when they actually have cap space and resources next offseason that they didn't have this past offseason to build a contender. Because they didn't have, they had zero money in the offseason. They couldn't do anything with it. And they had so many holes on the roster and they couldn't fix any of them. They barely have any now. They, they barely got over the cap. Is this true? Ben, oh, no. ben, yeah. ben has breaking news that McCaffrey to the 49ers for picks. Wow. All right. Very really? interesting. Yes, it just it just alerted oh. on Ben's phone that Christian McCaffrey is going to the 49ers for picks. What picks do they have? They gave them all up. <laughs> I mean, Schaefer's reporting. All right, yes, uh, Ian Rappaport. I thought he was Yep, Ian Rappaport Ra- tweeted it. Yep, Rappaport tweeted two minutes ago. Uh, Panthers get a second round pick, a third rounder uh, this upcoming draft. Wow, thir- th- two, three, and four this year. They're just fifth, throwing away their picks. And the fifth next year. Wow. That's actually that's actually more value than I would have thought he would have gotten. Wow. Good for good. him and good for the uh good for the Panthers. Because I think honestly, the Panthers got very good getting, value with that. Well, the they, they weren't getting if they thought they were gonna get multiple firsts <laughs> for Christian McCaffrey, I no way. No, that wasn't gonna that happen. But I, I thought with all, no. a lot of the injuries he's had, I thought I thought it might have been like a two and a five. I didn't think it was gonna be anything more right. than that. Two, that, three, su- that sucks for a lot of their running backs because Christian McCaffrey is gonna be taking the tail end of that running game. So all the other guys that they have over there that have been running the ball pretty well are no longer going to be touching the ball. They also have the – what's his name again? Um, Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell. Oh, what, yeah. What, yeah, he what? loses the number one carries. Yep. I mean, now you're moving him to two. I, He's going to be getting more like yeah. goal line carries at this point now. If I was Elijah yeah. Mitchell, I wouldn't be happy with that. I mean, he's been injured really all season long. He's going to come back, and then he's going to have to deal with – yeah. And he's going to have to deal with Christian McCaffrey now. So – I mean, the, the 49ers are trying to win now. I mean, obviously, now that they're, they're young quarterbacks out and Jimmy Garoppolo, this could be the last year Jimmy is there. Yeah. So they're going to try mm-hmm. to do everything they can to win. But let's say Jimmy wins this year with, with the 49ers. What are they going to do? Are they going to sign him? 
Are they going to decide to move Trey Lance as the Jordan Love of the 49ers? I mean, because you can't get rid of a quarterback that wins you. He take He's taking you to an NFC title game. He's taking you to a Super Bowl, and now he wins a Super Bowl for you, and he's still fairly young. Are you going to part ways with him? I wouldn't. I have this conversation like every single week with my uh, with my podcast uh, co-host, Robbie. Literally every single – because we – I'm like – I don't want to say I'm fully pro Jimmy Garoppolo, but I just didn't understand in the offseason – why they were so quick to just name Trey Lance the starter. Mm. They won. Like you were just, if, if Jimmy Garoppolo just wins one more game last year, they wouldn't have been a debate this off season. He would have went to the Super Bowl, And even if he didn't want, if he, even if he didn't win it, there wouldn't have been a debate as to who is the 49ers starting quarterback this year. Mm. So honestly, with Jimmy G, I think they just go back to the playoffs and they, you know, from there, it's anybody's, it's anybody's game. Of course. Because yeah, because I think Jimmy G works in that system. I think he's proven to work in that system. I think the only thing that has really set him back on a macro level is his ability, to, his inability to stay healthy, right? Like, But the two years in which he's been under center for the majority of the year, they went to the Super Bowl and they went to the NFC Championship. He's a top, so ten, he's a top 10 quarterback in this league. I, 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 you cannot argue that when you, you've been to an NFC title game and you've been to a Super Bowl. You're a, top, you're a top 10 quarterback. Maybe his numbers don't show that. You don't need numbers to do that. Look at Zach Wilson. He's 3-0. Is his numbers like to just appear off the board? Josh Allen's did in his second mm-hmm. year, and Josh Allen was still being considered not as an elite quarterback, but a good quarterback. Next year, you mm-hmm. expect Zach Wilson to take two, two or three steps forward, like you're seeing this year. I, Jimmy Garoppolo, you, he is what you, what he is, but he's a winner. He wins. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if he throws, he throws three hundred yards, two hundred thirty yards. He finds a way to win those games. So mm-hmm. he's a born winner, and I, I think he's a top ten quarterback in this league. I don't know if he's. I don't know if I would agree if he's top ten skill wise, but I think him? when you have a quarterback, when you take a uh, system into consideration. I think that is a much better scenario. Jimmy Garoppolo and that's in that, that uh, system than a lot of other teams are dealing with right now. Like I take Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners over a bunch of other teams, especially in that conference right now. I, I, I think they're just going to go back to the playoffs. I think, I don't know if they'll win that division. I think the Rams are still going to win that division and the, and the 49ers get a wild card. But with Garoppolo, I trust them to get back to the playoffs more than I trust them to get to the playoffs with Lance. Because uh, Lance, with, with Garoppolo, it's it's not a high ceiling, obviously. That's why they wanted to move off of him. But it's a high floor. You know what you're going to get out of him, and you know that he knows his system, and you could trust him in the system because you have before, and it's gotten you as far as the Super Bowl. You say it's not so, a high ceiling. If, if you have a chance to win the Super Bowl every single year with Jimmy Garoppolo – that's as high as the ceiling you you need. I mean, no, I'm, I'm saying he's not a high ceiling. Like his the, his type of play is yeah, a high ceiling. Yeah. Like it's it's not as it's not like the do it all type of quarterback that say Josh Allen is or a Lamar Jackson is. I got it. Um, yeah. So it, it, I mean, like it's the the system could get you deep into the playoffs, but I think especially in the Super Bowl two years ago, especially in that NFC Championship last year. He at in those big moments he's got to step up more. 
He's and I think that that's what it may come down to. I think I think what you're saying is more like they're more like the 2011 Giants, where they have a better defense than that, more yeah. talent than defense, but they're going to win with their defense and their wide receivers helping out Eli Manning in that case because that was yeah. more of the case that year, and also with the offensive line injuries San Francisco has too, very similar to that Giants team. Yeah. I, no, I, definitely. I, I now the Niners are more talented than that. But Giants I also, team, but, but I also yeah. think <laughs> I'm comparing the scenarios. But I also think when when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and you, you you mentioned obviously Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, both guys never played in the Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo did. So mm-hmm. I I understand when you say, well, he might not have the full t- full end talent of those two guys. You don't need it as a professional football player. You just need a guy that's going to give you 250 yards a game or 200 yards a game, give you two, three touchdowns, two touchdowns thrown, and your running backs could do all the other work and your defense could keep it in the game, and you can win a Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson, nobody thought when he came from Louisville that he was going to be anything good. And, yeah, he's gotten his team into the playoffs, uh, you know, mo- except one year. And this year it's kind of like back and forth what the Baltimore Ravens are. But mm. what has he won? He's won one, one playoff game in his career in the playoffs. So no matter how talented he is when it comes to his legs and his his capability of throwing, you know, throwing hard ball passes down the field, he hasn't won. So mm. uh, elite status shows me. Tom Brady, when he came into the league, okay, he was a six-round draft pick. If you look at his body, you look at everything that he was as a player, he probably wouldn't be in the NFL right now if it wasn't for the Jets. I mean, the Jets knocked down uh, Drew Bledsoe, which gave Tom Brady the opportunity to step on the field. Mo Lewis, I'll never forget it, made him step on the field, and it changed everything. It changed the whole outlook to the quarterback play. Now, if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt, or never, and, and the Jets never hurt Drew Bledsoe in that game the way they did, maybe Tom Brady and that whole Brady and, and the GOAT thing never, maybe never existed. You know, so mm. it just tells you how football it's it's just crazy how how things could happen every single year. In football, you know this. Um by the way, we're we are talking to Elite Sports New York Giants and NFL writer Ryan Honey. Ryan, you know this. Every single year it it could transition. Look at the Jets. The Jets were horrible last year. Everybody going into the season this year, the Jets had one of the hardest schedules in football, and everything has fallen right for them. Uh, they're playing quarterbacks that are, you know, the, the second-string quarterbacks. Even though the teams are good, they're playing second. Everything's falling together. The Giants, they had an easy schedule like they, they do, and everything has fallen together for them. So you just don't know it. And who knows? Look at the Bengals. They went to the Super Bowl last year, and this year they're 3-3, three and three, and, and Burroughs is not anywhere close to the quarterback he was last year. So, mm-hmm. it, Justin Herbert, has he been as good as he was last year? No. Russell Wilson, is he the same quarterback he was when coming out from Seattle? No. Lamar Jackson, was he as good as he is as he was last year, this year? No. I mean, we could go through the list of quarterbacks right now in the NFL. They're not having good seasons. No, no. And Brady said it. Brady said it in a press conference. He goes, there's a lot of bad football right now. And he's right. There's so many. I'm pretty sure right now, I've, I don't know the final score. I don't know if this game ended the Thursday night game. but Yeah, 42-34 into, Arizona. Okay. But heading into, the, heading into tonight, 22 teams were either 500 or worse. Like, that's a bad start. When you have – I've said this to multiple people in the last week. The excitement level in college football – is a lot higher than it's been uh, than in the NFL this year. Just because there's there's a ton of bad football, there's a ton of bad quarterback play. 
Uh, and you're right to the point where a Daniel Jones led offense five and one, and a Zach Wilson led. Zach Wilson is three and zero since coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. You know, the, like you said, with these, the, the Jets are getting breaks when it comes to you know they had to face Jacoby Brissett and, yep. and against the Browns, Thompson. Then you got to, yeah, exactly. Then you got to face um, Trubisky, yeah. and it, the, the Jets are getting some breaks. But at the same time, I think the Jets are coming together offensively. Yes. I think that can't be overlooked I, when you. And I, the whole Elijah Moore thing, I think he's just got to – That'll cool down. That'll cool down. Yeah. The Jets gave him a day. He's not getting traded. I don't know why he thinks that the Jets would just say, you know what, we're just going to trade you away. Yeah. They're not just going to no throw way. him to the Wolves. I mean, this guy could be an elite wide receiver in this league. They're not just going to give him away. So no. I, they have a pretty, pretty good wide receiver right now sitting, you know, without – you know, without wearing a jersey in Denzel Mims. And it, to me, it really busts my bubble. You have a talented player like that you drafted a couple of mm-hmm. years ago in the second round, and he's not playing. So no. trade him if he's not playing. So yeah. it, get something for him. You might not get a lot back for him, but at least get a fourth or fifth because at the end of this year, he's a free agent, and you're going to lose him to free agency. Mm. And it's like with the whole Elijah Moore thing, it's like you got to understand he's a young kid. He's upset right now. I mean – but it, it was one game where he didn't have any targets. Like that's happens in every receiver's career. You're going to have a game where it's like, you're not getting, you're not really a factor at all. Right. You know, in this three game stretch, it's not, he's gotten targets this year. It's not like he's Denzel Mims and he hasn't played a snap all of a sudden in year two. Mm. So I think they got to give him a couple of days to calm down. I don't know if he's going to be a healthy scratch this Sunday. I don't know if that teaches him a lesson He'll or not, play. but they'll, they'll have, they'll, yeah, play. I, yeah, I think I, I leaned more towards like, I don't know if they would just wipe him out of the game plan just because of this one thing. I think they'll just give him the day to calm down or whatever it is. But the whole, uh, I, as far as the Jets offense is concerned, I think we can't overlook their pieces coming together. Hmm. Uh, I think Brees Hall is pretty Brees. much established himself as a lead dog in that backfield and maybe a potential pro bowler at the end of this year. I think Garrett Wilson is coming just together. Just remember, he's only touching the ball like 15, 20 times. And he's getting 100 yards. It's it's pretty yeah. remarkable. <laughs> It really is mark of efficiency. It's crazy. He's he's a great. I, and I listen. I could have very. I, I could have very much criticized Joe Douglas. We all could for trading up in the second round to draft a running back. Traded with the Giants, but, I by mean, the way. <laughs> right. Yeah, yes. Meanwhile, we yeah. dropped a receiver that can stay <laughs> healthy. Thank you. <laughs> Joe Shane traded back twice. We never saw that during the Gettleman era, except for the Kadarius Tony pick, and then Shane dropped. Yeah. Back well, like that, that didn't work out well either. The Giants missed Devontae right. Smith <laughs> by a pick, and they, they could have drafted Rashawn Slater. They could have drafted I, the kid I wanted at twenty, but they traded back. Was the they Cleveland draft- linebacker a Wusu? That they, would have been nice. They could have drafted no. Brees oh, Hall. Yeah. They yeah. could have drafted Brees Hall. I, I mean, yeah, right. I, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, they, they traded. How many times could you could you remember that the Giants helped the Jets get a player that they wanted? You know, Man. so it. I mean, they traded the Jets traded him Leonard Williams. Thank God, because I hated Leonard Williams. So. I mean, he's been decent. Yeah, for the now Giants. we're stuck with his money. Him and freaking Kenny Galladay robbing everything. He he makes his difference in the in the run defense game, but I think he's one of those guys where he might not be on the team next year just because of the financials. Plus, they're gonna I mean, pay some Lawrence the, too. So, yeah, you know, some of the contracts Gettleman left them with are like yeah. the Galladay one. They can't get out of until next off season. That's they, they, there's no maneuver they could make uh, from now until next off season that benefits them in any single way. Because the cap hit is just too much. Um, and Leonard Williams is one of those contracts where they're going to have to get rid of him uh, or at least maybe extend him and spread out the cap, whatever the case may be. 
Um, but yeah, that was I was not a fan of that move when it was made three yeah. years ago. When it was weird came at the over. time because it, it was a weird move. Yeah. yeah, like the Giants were being buyers at the deadline when I don't know I forget what their record was, but I can't imagine they, it was, they, it was the Jets and the Jets. I think that year were like because they had that like hot streak right in the middle of the season where it seemed like okay they might be able to contend. They may and they had like purged a lot of their other bad contracts outside of Tremaine Johnson, which I think I don't think they get rid of. So like they could have yeah. they could have given Leonard Williams not like, maybe not that kind of money but a little bit less than that and kept him at the time because that was that was Quinn and Williams rookie year and they didn't really have much else on the defense so it seemed weird that they traded him and also seemed weird that the Giants were the team that took him in for that price I mean the gift and the gift that really Gettleman left the the Giants was honestly it is Dexter Lawrence because he's going to be the only one that him and Daniel Jones could be the only ones on that roster next year because I think Saquon Barkley as good a season he is having right now, they ha- he is probably going to be asking for big money in the offseason, and they're not going to give it to him. So unless they franchise him and then trade him, I would get I, if I were the Giants right now, being that he is having a great season. I know they're they're playing great football. You could get a lot for you know right now. You can get a lot for him. I would trade him at the trade deadline. I would get as much as I possibly can for him because you could still win. Your, your schedule really, you know, fa- you know, fares for you even without him. Uh, so I, I understand what Giant fans are saying. Well, we can win. Are you really winning the Super Bowl w- this year, even with Saquon Barkley? The answer is probably no. So mm-hmm. I would get as much as I possibly can for right now. He is at a very high rate. He's playing great football right now. I would trade him. You could get a first round draft pick right now. For Saquon Barkley, you could. Yeah, but you need to take into account the fact that his contract is running out. Like he's only got he's got these twelve games, thirteen games left, and then that the contract is over. And I think if they really want to prove that they're going to win now, and if they're, as I said before, you're five and one in this week conference, you got to start having playoff aspirations. Of course, and. If they trade Saquon at the deadline, I don't think they're a playoff team because I think they're relying on him that much because they don't have the reason why this offense is put in a situation where he's winning these games is because of Saquon's success. It's not Daniel Jones throwing 300 yards a game. It's not Wando Robinson or Tony catching two touchdowns. That, that doesn't happen, nor has it. Mm. If they trade Saquon, that offense does not keep up for the rest of the year. I don't know if they do the same. I understand the running back position is not as high value position as it used to be, but I don't see guys like Matt Breida and Gary Brightwell making the difference that Saquon makes uh, in the offense right now. I think they're gearing the offense. They're they're running the offense through him. Hmm. They go into every game with the game plan of running the offense through Saquon. And if they could get a high draft choice for him, that's great. But I just don't think if they were 0-6, I would say, yeah, do it, you know. Go through with that trade. The, do it now. The other but, scenario that would be it, ideal too, Ryan, because uh, there's a lot of these other young running backs being dangled too, would be a team like the yeah. Rams, who are Ken Akers wants to be traded too, and Daryl Henderson, uh, he's on his last year of his deal. Yeah. The Giants could take one of those back if they wanted to swing for Saquon, but they don't have any draft picks. Right. Exa- oh my God, they don't have any. They yeah. gave them all up. I'm surprised they didn't <laughs> trade for McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> like, yeah, I just, I don't. Akers listen, is I going went, nowhere either too, by the way. He's going nowhere. Yeah, it's it's weird from like from like a broader standpoint. Like I I've said this like if they were zero and six, I would have had my off season blueprint for next off season like mapped out already. 
But since they're five and one, I still have so many questions. It's like, do you extend Saquon if he's going to be that big a part of your offense when he wasn't the last couple of years because he was injured? I wouldn't. Do what do you do? You would. You would. Extend I wouldn't. Him? I wouldn't. Oh, you wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would in the off season. I would franchise him and then trade him, and try to get as much as you can back for him because. Mm. In the offseason, Saquon will be 30 years old. He'll be close to 30. Um, he's at the tail end of his career. I mean, the Giants drafted him the way they did, and everybody knew. And I said this to Giant fans. Drafting a, a, a running back in the top three, uh, you have to be ready to win a championship. And they were not ready to win a championship. Gettleman made a big mistake. Now, has Saquon been a bust for the Giants? No. He's, he's a fa- his first year was fantastic. His second year was all right. And then he got hurt, and he hasn't been healthy since then. And now he's, what, 28, going to be 29. He, he He's not a kid anymore. What does he have? Three, two more good years in the NFL? You're going to probably – if you get if you trade him now at the trade deadline – Maybe you could get a late first-round draft pick for him. If a team really wants him and he's the missing link and a missing piece that could get a team over the hump like Buffalo or something like that, um, Buffalo, I would think, maybe would do that. But if you decide to hold on to him in the offseason and franchise him and then trade him, what are you going to get, a three for him? That's all you're going to get for him. At the same time, you know, who knows if they would even trade him at all, whether it's trading him now or trading him. If they perceive Saquon as a big part of this offense, even after this year, when he's going to have to sign a new deal, then they're going to they're probably going to re-sign him because they're going to have the cap space too. And they're going to try to sign him to a team friendly deal, not too team friendly. He's going to get some money, but they're not going to want to Joe Shane is not going to want to absolutely break the bank for him and give him the type of contract that McCaffrey has. But this is his so last, this is his last chance for a big contract. So he's yeah. going to want big money. And if he has like a year where he's what's, what's he have 13, 1400 yards, he's going to be demanding a, a nice little purse. Uh, you're talking yeah. about maybe $30, $30 million guaranteed for one of the top running backs in the NFL. He's going yeah. to be asking no. for that. Absolutely. It's his last chance. And he's, so he's a little bit young. He's he's 25 now. So oh, I, I didn't even know he was 25. About, I thought he was 20, 20 28, 29. So. Yeah, he, he, so he, but even regardless, I mean, he's got about one contract left for yeah, that, of course. for the prime of your career. Yes. Yeah, you're only going to get back. like the second contract and then you could get another contract after that. But as far as your prime is concerned, he's got about one contract left. So you're right. He's going to want that big money. Yeah. I just don't. You know, I, I think a lot of the questions that we have about what to do with Daniel Jones and what to do with Saquon is we need to see what these last um, eleven games entail, mm-hmm. and then the, the, and the and the playoffs mm-hmm. if they get there. They we need to see what because say they go, say they crap out the rest of the year, they don't make the postseason, or they just keep winning. It, it, those are two very different scenarios when it comes to building a roster and fixing a roster in the offseason. Right. Now, I know they have all these the, the draft picks and the cap space to get the guys that they want because they weren't able to do so this past offseason. Um, but I think you need to – they're going to have to get – they're going to get to a point where if Saquon stays healthy this year and he continues to produce – they're going to have to consider bringing him back and they're going to have to go into negotiations. And when, if, you know, it's anybody's game at that point, if the negotiations work out, they, they work out. If they don't, they don't. But if Saquon continues this success, they're, they're going to at least have to entertain the idea of extending his contract. They can't just, you know, they, they can't just stop sign. It's over. You're done. Like they, they got to at least entertain the idea. Yeah. 
and go from there. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. At the end of the day, the running back position isn't as valued as it used to be. Uh, but you have to, with his type of talent and what he's been able to do for this offseason, just in this month and a half alone, mm. you have to consider it. You, you need to consider some move. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm very intrigued. And I, could you imagine Dable when next year when he actually has players that he can bring in and fit his offense? That, that it, right. the, the Giants could be scary. They could. I mean, mm. I, I don't know what they are. And I, I, I think there's a lot of – everything's falling together. It's been – pretty easy for them that everything's falling together and that's why I think this could be a jump start for Dable or you know everybody's going to expect Dable next year if they win 11 games this year and that the, being that the schedule is a little easy this year and next year they go into the season they only win seven eight games or six games uh, I mean Dable's going to have his head because every Giant fan believes that this guy is the real deal I think he is I think he's the, mm. the closest thing to Tom Coughlin that the Giants have had in a very long time and uh, I, I think he is the quarterback whisperer, and I'm telling you, he's going to help Daniel Jones. And I, I, I believe Daniel Jones, he will get his fifth-year extension in the offseason. There's no way the Giants are walking away from it and because they they're not going to be able to get a top-10 quarterback this year. And I absolutely <laughs> believe you're going to see a completely different Daniel Jones. But who's he throwing to right now? He's throwing to garbage, okay? Could you imagine Nobody. when he has somebody out there that can actually catch the ball? I, I mean, I I really believe Daniel Jones is a really good quarterback. I always did. Richie Richie James literally leads the Giants with 189 receiving yards. It's yeah. horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. So bad Richie James will probably see his role decline in the next couple of, of weeks because of the because of Slayton's playing a little bit more. Which I literally said for weeks, I was like, can they at least just see what they can get out of Darius Slayton? Like, if all these guys are not going to be healthy, at least play him if you're using a roster spot on him it's like the jets with mims it's like can you at least see what you can get out of him yeah. you know if elijah moore is not going to be happy and you're going to have to i'm telling you with that situation i'm telling you right now ryan and i'll say it again denzel mims is going to go somewhere next year and i believe we're going to see a pro ball player he is too he is too talented he's six foot three runs a four three he catch the ball he's he has one of the best uh, elevated elevated jumps, you know, uh, that we've seen come out of the combine. The, the, what the Jets are doing to him, I, I understand that he doesn't fit the offense. You should put him out there and let see what you have out there. In the, the one or two preseason games that he played, he had over 100 yards. He should mm-hmm. be out there. And I'm telling you, somebody's going to pick him up. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the Giants or somebody like that. Uh, or just a team that could even just have a big bodied receiver. He's going to go something. somewhere yeah. and he's going to be a yeah. star. I'm telling you. And it, it pisses me off because he's a Jet. And it, it just it annoys me why the Jets don't use him. But whatever. I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's amazing how young he is, too. Yeah. I feel like he's been in the league forever. It's like we've, we, I feel like we've been talking about old. like, where's. Yeah, I feel like we've been talking about Mims for like so long as far as like when is he going to play? And mm-hmm. he's how old is he? 23, 24. 24. 24. By, by next year, he'll be 24 years old. Jeez. He's, uh, yeah. He's, I mean, he's, at least, you know, with, with with Mims, at least just see what you can get out of him. Mm-hmm. You're going to have him be a healthy scratch all the time? Mm-hmm. Why don't you trade him in the offseason? Why don't you trade him in preseason? Mm-hmm. He obviously wants to play. I'm not questioning his commitment or his work ethic or anything like that. I'm not questioning his talent either. Mm-hmm. See what you can get out of him. And um, that's what the Giants needed to do for weeks with Darius Slayton, which is probably why you're going to see a little bit more of him moving forward. Um, Giant fans, but, but they, yeah. they, I remember when Slayton, Giant fans, 
thought that he was like another Odell Beckham. Quit it, guys. Quit it, guys. And by the way, Odell Beckham's been seen at the giant, camp, you know, practice facilities. Him and uh, what with the safety? What's his name? Oh, he's already back, Landon Collins. Landon yeah, Collins. Yeah, he, has, he hasn't been activated yet, but he is on the roster. Landon now. Collins just signed with them, and I believe I'm not going to be surprised if Odell Beckham resigns with the Giants. I'm telling you, it could happen if the Giants are eight and one in you know, or or seven and two in the next couple of weeks. Why wouldn't Odell Beckham want to go over there? He you have a chance to go back to a place that. Everybody loved you. You were a god in New York. You were an absolute god mm-hmm. in New York. Going back, the, the crazy fans that would just like, just abusively want to go and watch this guy play. I mean, uh, I have a feeling he is going to be a giant. I'm, I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to stay, throw that out to everybody. Out of all the teams that we've heard, the Rams, uh, I heard Buffalo. I've heard, I've heard all these other teams. I am telling you, he, there is a reason why he's been seen at the practice facilities for the last couple of weeks. He plans to, when he is 100% healthy, to re, to sign with the Giants. And he will sign with the Giants. I'll mark my words on that. Mark my words. It is the, it is the first time since the Odell-Browns trade that a reunion with the Giants has made sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you could see it with these guys, with, with, with Collins and potentially Odell. It's, it's different now because Gettleman's not there anymore. They didn't have a problem with the Giants, especially with Collins. He didn't have a problem with the Giants. He had a problem with Gettleman. I mean, he said he wanted to stay. Gettleman didn't want him. And I think, and I believe Collins recently said he wants to retire as a Giant. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not it's it's a different scenario. They're not coming back to Dave Gettleman's Giants. It's a new <laughs> it's a new <laughs> era. The Landon Collins signing makes sense if he can fit in that off if if he can fit in that defense as more of a hybrid safety linebacker. That's great. He was great when he was here, and I know the injuries have taken a toll on him the past couple of years when he was with Washington. But he was he he I this was back in college and both of them left for me. I was more upset as a Giants fan seeing Collins leave than Odell mm. just because of the impact Collins made on that defense for a number of years before he left. So I think that's a great a great uh, addition to the practice squad. You'll he might see, be active this week. James, James Betcher ruined him, I think. And really. you'll see. Yeah. By the way, I like the before we let you go, I like that kid Bellinger too. He's he's good. The, yeah. the tight ends. I like him. He's a lot. good down in the red zone too. I like him. I mean, him. he steps up in um he steps up in the big moments because you know, they weren't supposed to be a heavy tight end uh, usage offense right. going in. But, I mean, when you have no receivers, you have no choice. The Giants haven't had a good tight end offense statistical season since that one year of Martellus Bennett. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, in 2012. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, where he caught. Or like or like the Larry Donnell years where they That's were just right. going to him. Yep. Him and Will, him and Will Ty. That was That's uh, right. Those, that was <laughs> wow. the duo. Those are two names I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> those are name drops, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. Right. It is. It is. It's fantastic. Uh, by the way, Ryan, thank you for joining us. Uh, obviously, from Elite Sports, New York Giants, uh, and NFL writer. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Yeah, definitely. So you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey E S N Y, and uh, listen to subscribe to the Wide Right Podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you get your podcast. Uh, you can find us there and find all of our articles for Giants, Jets, all sports on EliteSportsNY.com. Well, we really appreciate you, and we'll have you on again before the season is over. Um, maybe we see the Jets and the Giants in the playoffs this year. I, I yeah, it's crazy. I, I don't think the Jets are playoff bound yet. Their schedule is so hard, uh, but their their schedule gets easier in the second half of the season. 
I mean, I was telling Speedy, the Jets could be, if they win this week, they could beat the Patriots. They could be going in, to, you know, playing Buffalo 6-2 and two and have a chance sure. before their bye week to be the number one, the number one team in the AFC. It really is wild, crazy. It wild is. Wild time for New York football. It really is. I mean, and you have three teams that are playing very good. Buffalo, the Giants, and the Jets are playing good football right now. We haven't seen that in a very And Dawson Knox just likes to ruin it by saying we're New Jersey. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, well... I wouldn't be surprised if Knox is a giant by the time. Uh, I'll take him. Done, I, I'm but... fine with that. I don't care. But yeah. I'll take Dawson Knox in a heartbeat. Talent-wise, he's as... probably top 12 in the league. <laughs> Why not? As long as he can split reps with Ballinger, that's all fine with me. There you Have go. Have the two of them. There you go. But uh, thank you, uh, Ryan. We really appreciate you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate coming on. Absolutely. Ryan Honey, uh, the Giants beat writer, a.k.a. Uh, NFL writer as well. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really good personality. Too. Absolutely. Good kid. Really is. Mm-hmm. So why don't we do it? Um, by the way, uh, the Panthers were actively shopping Christian McCaffrey, and they shopped him. He <laughs> yeah, is now a 49er. So all the fans out there, Dak Prescott is returning this week. And obviously, two are claiming that his, he doesn't remember anything when he got knocked out uh, about a few weeks ago. So yeah. uh, what, is, what does that say to the NFL and investigating this? You better dig deep because if there was any truth to the week before when he was, uh, you know, falling to the ground and saying they, th- them saying it was a back injury and it wasn't, I mean, Miami already lost their number one pick this year. Miami could lose the next year and maybe the next year after that. I mean, this is an organization. It's an absolute debacle. They really are. It's just a, a terrible run organization. Uh, it's a shame that Tua has to be in the middle of it. So I don't yeah. know. Just like what we were saying about the, with the with the Browns and Deshaun Watson, you can you can get talent all you want. If there's still corruption with your ownership at the top, yep. you're not gonna, still not going to go anywhere. Now a three game losing streak later, yeah, they're in a lot of trouble, and they're gonna. I think I think they're gonna get hit hard once this does I get do investigated too. more. I do too. This is. Something the player safety has been something they've been advocating for a while. How many ex NFL players have we had on advocating for yeah. all this player safety stuff? I mean, it's disgusting what happened to him. And this is this might be the worst case of it too because they were hiding it badly. Mm-hmm. So why don't we go quickly? Let's go through the games. Let's give Derek's uh, you mm-hmm. know his his numbers to these games. Uh, uh, by the way, last week I was eight and six. Derek was five and nine. And Speedy was four and ten. At least, at least Derek beat you last week. Yeah, D- D- Derek stuck with some of your picks for the four o'clock games. That ended up making the difference. The only game I got right that you guys both, you guys both had the Broncos. <laughs> I had the Chargers. That was literally the only game. Everything well, else. Well, tonight I did have Arizona. Yeah, we all did. We yes. all had Arizona tonight. But yes. I did not expect it to be this high scoring of a game. <laughs> Twenty to no. sixteen game, Arizona. Uh, we'll start with this. By game. By the way, I told you about Hopkins coming back. How important he is to the yeah. offense. He had a fantastic day. He really did. Yeah. And the Beef had him. He picked him up in uh, the league, and uh, he he's definitely uh, he better have started him. I mean, he'd be an eh, idiot. Who knows? It's the beef. You never know. Yeah, I guess you're right. All right, we'll start with the uh, first of the one o'clock games: the Ravens hosting the the Browns in this one. Uh, my pick: I have the Ravens in this one. I think the yeah they could blow all the fourth quarter leads they want, but I don't think Cleveland has enough capabilities to come back. So I have the Ravens uh, thirty to twenty. Derek has the Ravens twenty seven to twenty four. I, you have to bet on the Ravens here. They lost two games that they should have won, yeah. and uh, really, they should be five and two. Okay, I, I 
have no idea what's going on with the Ravens and their organization. If they don't make the playoffs this year, John Harbaugh might be looking for a yeah, new job. I agree. So uh, this is a very important year for this team to make the playoffs. But, yeah, I got the Ravens in this game. Um, I think the Ravens win 24-17. All right, next game, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Carolina Panthers. Derek has the Bucs in a blowout, 31-13. I'll take the Bucs in this one, but I think it'll be closer than people expect, too. The Panthers' defense has still been pretty good. They hung tough with the Rams last week. The Rams really only got it going in the fourth quarter. And Tampa's offense still, I guess the Steelers barely showed anything either. Tampa will win. I think they win it late. I'm going to say 23-13. They kind of surge in the fourth quarter, too. I agree with um, I agree with Derek. I think it's a blowout. After what happened last week losing against Pittsburgh, I think Tom Brady's going to come out with a vengeance uh, going into Carolina. I expect them to put up a 30 spot. Uh, give me um, give me Tampa Bay and the uh, the Bradys. Uh, 32-17. All right, the Atlanta Falcons at the Cincinnati Bengals. Derek has the Bengals 26-20. to I have something pretty similar. I think this is a game of field goals. Atlanta's defense pl- proving a lot the last couple of weeks. I think they'll keep it close, but I think the Bengals' pass rush, I think it'll be too much for a banged-up Atlanta offensive line. I think this is where lack of Cordero Patterson is going to hurt the Falcons not having as much complete offense. I think it'll be close. I'm going to say 23-20 Cincinnati. I like what I've seen with the Falcons. I really do. I, uh, but they're going into Cincinnati. The Bengals really need this game. They need to stay close to Baltimore if they have any thoughts of winning this division. Pittsburgh, let's be honest, we don't even know who their quarterback is. And Cleveland, uh, until they get uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Healthy back week 11, um, this team doesn't look like much of a team. So uh, give me the Bengals in this game. I think they win 27 to 14. All right. Dak Prescott's return. The Dallas Cowboys hosting the Detroit Lions. Derek has 23-16 Dallas. Uh, I have Dallas too, but I do think it'll be closer than people expect. I think the Lions defense gets a little better off the bye week. They have the time to reset themselves. And I do think they could be able to rush from the inside very well against Dak. I don't know if they'll have the same mobility come back, but I think the Cowboys still have enough weapons, especially with Gallup back to make it work. I'll say 27-21 Cowboys. I got Dallas winning this game. I think it's a blowout. I, I do. Dak coming back. I think he's going to fiend off the fans over there in, in Dallas uh, Stadium. I, I don't know. I, I think that Dallas wins this game like 40 to 17. I, I think they're, they're going to put up a big number. And Dak is going to show you why he is the quarterback of that Cowboys team. So give me the Cowboys. All right. Indianapolis Colts at the Tennessee Titans. Derek has a Titans close win, 21 to 17. Uh, I agree. I'm going to take the Titans as well. I think it'll be a little more of a high, higher-scoring game. I know the Colts secondary played better last week in terms of uh, getting Trevor Lawrence to get some turnovers, but while the Titans' offense isn't flashy, they're not going to be as turnover-prone. I think they're a little better coached. Derrick Henry, I don't think, has the big game that he did in the first meeting against the Colts, but I do think he'll still play well enough, and I think that pass rush and that defense will do the rest of the banged-up Colts line. So I'm going to say Indianapolis 27-20, to especially if Taylor doesn't play either. Oh, so you have Indianapolis winning. Or, or, or Tennessee, my bad. Tennessee, yeah. 27 I, I have Tennessee winning this game just because they're the home team. I, I don't know what Indianapolis is. I wouldn't be surprised if Indianapolis wins this game. I wouldn't be, especially last week. Maybe they figured it out. I don't know. I don't know what this Indianapolis Colts team is. Pittman, it looks like he's going to be a star in this league. Uh, he's been better and better uh, since he's come back from his injury. And Taylor's still not back. Is he coming back this week? Who knows? I have Tennessee in this game. Derrick Henry is going to smash mouth the Indianapolis Colts uh, defensive line. Give me Tennessee 24-13. 
13. All right, last of the 1 o'clock games, the Green Bay Packers at the Washington Commanders. Derek has Green Bay bouncing back 27-21. I'm going to take the Packers to win, too, but I think it'll be kind of ugly. I think you're going to see a lot of field goals in this game. I think... I think Washington will be able to stop the run. I think their interior against A.J. Dillon, who has had a lot of trouble this year. Aaron Jones, I think, could do well as a receiver, but not as much as a running back. I think Aaron Rodgers, you'll see kind of vintage extending plays again, and that'll make a difference. But I think Washington contains him in the red zone, and then Carson Wentz will just Carson Wentz the game away. So I'm going to say Green Bay 26-17. to Yeah, I got Green Bay in this game, too. I, after losing back-to-back games against the New York teams, I think they're going to go hard-nosed after Washington in this game, and they're going to... You know, put up a big spot. Uh, Give me an unhealthy Aaron Rodgers, 35-14. All right, first of the 4 o'clock games, the New York Jets at the Denver Broncos. Well, who do you have, the Giants or the Jacksonville Jaguars at 1 o'clock? Oh, I missed one. Yeah, but sorry, I missed one. Giants, Jaguars. How do you forget that one? Uh, I did. Yeah, somehow I missed it. Uh, Derek has the Giants, 20-17. to I have the Giants, uh, kind of similar, 23-17, to kind of an uglier, lower-scoring game. I think uh, I think Saquon is bottled up a little bit. Jacksonville's been able to stop the run, but I think their passing game is just enough. I don't know what to expect in this game. I, I want to pick Jacksonville, being that they're the home team, but it it kind of scares me. You know what? I'm I, I want to go different from okay. you guys. There you go. All right, so I, I'm going to take Jacksonville in this game. I think it'll be a very very close game. I think Jacksonville will be able to stop the run from the Giants. I I, I don't know what the Giants are yet, so. I'm going to take Jacksonville being that they're the home game. I think Trevor Lawrence has a decent game, doesn't make any mistakes. Give me Jacksonville in the game, 17-14. All right, now we'll go to the Jets. The Jets at the Denver Broncos, and he's finally done it. Derek is picking the Jets. Now, baby steps. He's only picking by win by one point, 17-16. Mm-hmm. But Derek is finally picking the Jets. So either he'll finally cave in or he'll curse the Jets and they'll lose this game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they're going to lose this game because, one, Nathaniel Hackett is the coach of the Denver Broncos. And Wilson's Broncos. not playing, it doesn't Russell seem. Russell Wilson does not look like he's playing. Mm-hmm. So have fun with Brett Ripien at quarterback. Another lucky Gordon is apparently starting at running back again, and he'll probably fumble at least once. We'll, we'll see on that. The Broncos' defense will keep him in it a little bit, but the big problem with the Broncos is they still have had trouble against the run this year, too. Now, they did better against the Chargers, but the Chargers did better with the screen passes. The Jets could do plenty of those, too. So they'll adjust to either one of those. Brees Hall will have a last scrimmage yard either way. 24-13 Jets. Yeah, I got the Jets in this game. Absolutely. Uh, Ripken might be playing in this game. I, you might not even see Russ. And that's, that gives the Jets another opportunity to play a second-string quarterback, which, I mean, it's falling together for the Jets. They're giving them confidence. And after knocking off Aaron Rodgers last week, they now believe they can beat good quarterbacks in this league. Give me the Jets in this game. I, if Ripken plays, I think it's a blowout by the Jets, like 27-13. Uh, if Wilson plays, it'll be even closer, 24-17. But I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict 27 27- 14 by the Jets. Ripken plays in the game. All right. Houston Texans, LA, or Las Vegas Raiders. Derek has the Raiders 24 to 21. Uh, I have the Raiders a little more of a blowout here. I think they'll get it going. Josh Jacobs, I think, has one of the best games of his career. Texas have a trouble against the run. I'll say 31 20. Um, yeah, I got Vegas in this game. I, I Being that they're the home team, and, uh, you know, Adams is going to show up in this game. I Waller might be playing. He might be coming back this week. So, uh, they're going to have a stud tight end. Maybe they'll actually throw him the ball. <laughs> that would be nice. Uh, and Jacobs has been one of the better running backs in the NFL. So I, I like what they have. Um, hopefully they start winning. Give me uh, Vegas um, 31-12. All right. Uh, Seahawks at the Chargers. Derek has a close one in this one, 31-28. 
I have a weird one in this one. I would do a, I'm going to do a Ketty score for this week because the Chargers have they gritted out. Get Dustin Hopkins at the kicker. I'll give him credit for gritting out that Monday night performance against the Broncos. He made four field goals in that game, but he's out for this week, so they have another kicker coming in. So I think Brandon Staley is going to do Brandon Staley things and go for two a lot in this game. But I do think the Chargers will win. The Seahawks have also had trouble against the run. I think Eckler is another big game in this one. And Mike Williams, who was barely targeted uh, against the Broncos, I think has a bigger game too. I'm going to say 29 to 17 Chargers. Yeah, I got the Chargers in this game. I, I, I want to pick an upset. I, I picked the one. I, I have the Jaguars because I want to be different one way or another, no matter what happens. Win or lose from you guys, I, I want to be different because even if it's close, if I have one more win or one more loss, I'm still kicking your asses. So um, I'm going to go with the Chargers. Chargers win this game. Close game. 24-20. All right. Kansas City Chiefs at the San Francisco 49ers. This could be a surprise game. Chiefs. Derek has the Chiefs 27-24. I'm going to take the 49ers here. I actually like a lot of their matchups this week against a Chiefs team that still has had some trouble with the yards after the catch in the secondary. I think that's a lot of what San Francisco likes to do. Fred Warner and that safety core, I think, can contain Travis Kelsey a little more. I think Mahomes plays well, but not as well as we've seen in recent weeks, too. And if Christian McCaffrey does suit up for the 49ers, too, we'll see if he plays this week. I'm not sure, but that's going to be another weapon to have. So I'm going to take the 49ers He'll in this play. one, 24 to 20. Yeah, He's there's time. There should be time. I think he should play. He's definitely going to play. Uh, they, they just gave up a ton of picks for him. He's playing this week. Um, I like the 49ers in this game. I, I do. I, I, this is going to be a fun game to watch, especially if Christian McCaffrey plays. It's going to open up the field for them in so many different ways offensively. And you know Kyle Shanahan likes to run everything through their running backs. It's going to open up Debo Samuel, too. If McCaffrey is on this team and he plays this week, if you're a Debo Samuel owner, you're going to see a lot. You're going to see so many openings where you're not going to see him double teamed. It's going to... It's going to open up so many avenues for them to, you know, throw the ball, even run the ball through him. So um, give me the 49ers in this game. I think it'll be close. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs lose their second game in a row this year uh, as they lost against Buffalo. San Francisco is not going to lose the second game in a row. Give me San Francisco at home, 27 24. Also, uh, they said Trent Williams and Nick Bosa were also practicing this week, too, so that's an even bigger boost for them. All right, Sunday Night Football, the Steelers at the Dolphins. Derek has Miami 30-20. to 20. Uh, I have the Dolphins as well, but I think it'll be an uglier, more low-scoring game in this one. The Dolphins' defense... Is Tua playing? Uh, he practiced this week a little bit. He's still listed as questionable at the moment, but still unknown at the moment. I think either way, I don't think the Steelers have the same. I think they have a bit of a letdown, slow start after the big win against the Buccaneers. I don't think they do it two weeks in a row. So I think Miami will start off fast. Yards after the catch, kind of like I was saying with the 49ers, but I think it'll be an uglier game. I'll say 23-13. to 13. Mm. Who did Derek get? Derek had uh, Miami 30-20. Mm. I'm trying to think where I should go with this because – if Tua's not playing, are you going to trust Thompson to get you that win? Pittsburgh surprised everybody, and obviously, you know, they beat Tom Brady last week. That says a lot. I mean, it might not be this, but they, they knocked off the Buccaneers. I, I'm kind of questioning. I'm going to give it to Miami, all right? I'm going to take Miami in this game, but I'm telling you right now, remember I said this, Speedy. I'm not, I, I'm not counting out Pittsburgh in this game. I think Pittsburgh could win this game. And, and maybe win this game easy. So, uh, 21-17 Miami. All right. And last Monday Night Football game, the Patriots hosting the Bears. Derek has 24-10. 
New England. Mac Jones looks like he's on track to play again this week. We'll see if he's, if they stick with Zappy, the hot hand, or they go to Mac Jones playing. I think it looks like it'll be Mac Jones. I think the Patriots will win either way because Chicago's had trouble stopping the run. I don't think it'll be a quarterback game. I think it'll be a Ramondre Stevenson game and Damian Harris a little bit if he plays too. But Ramondre Stevenson stays hot and the defense for the Patriots, which has turned it around after a slow start to the season, has done much better. So I'm going to say 2013 Pats. Mm. Yeah, Pats win this game. It's not even close. I think they just completely brutalized them. Uh, 32 to nothing. I mean, 32 to nothing. Nice. I, mean, <laughs> I don't think Chicago's any good. Justin Fields forcing himself out after the game. I feel bad for Justin Fields. He's going to fail. Of course. I, we all do. <laughs> He's going to fail. He's he, uh, Chicago's going to be looking for a new quarterback in two years. It's sad. It really is. And he'll be a journeyman backup quarterback for the rest of his career. Maybe, Just like maybe, Mitch. Maybe the Panthers will trade for him. Maybe they'll give another guy a, a, a second chance. Like they tried with <laughs> Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield. Look how much <laughs> they gave away for Christian McCaffrey. That's crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, Carolina, Carolina. They, 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 they won on that trade, man. Yeah, no, they did really well. I was impressed with I thought it was only going to be like a two and a five maybe for, for McCaffrey. I was impressed they got as much as they did. But maybe San Francisco thought there might have been somebody more aggressive. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, that's it, guys. That's it. I'm tired. I'm I'm drawn. Yeah. Long day. Just a headache. I mean, doing that and coming back all the way over here, Speedy, and doing all running around. I am tired, but happy to do the show. I am getting this in. Are you happy? Yeah. Well, you don't look happy. Well, I had to. I mean, I, my emotions are not like going to be like Ben it's says. Ben says ESPN reported he is expected to play for the 49ers next. The next game, so this week. All right. In the next, in next game. You know what? I'll, I'll say twenty-seven to twenty forty ers Then I'll get him an extra field goal on that. So he says that they are. He is playing next game. So that's Sunday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's got three days to get to the facility. So it makes sense. Oh, Christian McCaffrey. I thought he was going to Buffalo. I really did. Uh, this is this is huge. If he could stay healthy on that team. And then you have uh, Mitchell coming back. Forget mm-hmm. it. I mean, you got weapons all over the field now, and your defense is elite, best defense in the NFL, arguably the best talent-wise running back going to the best running scheme. That's going to be scary. It's crazy. It yeah. really is. Uh, I mean, I mean, you you already moved San Francisco as one of the favorites to come out of yeah, the yeah making your uh, making your preseason Super Bowl pick of them look pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And who do I have for us? Buffalo. The, you had Buffalo, Buffalo in the AFC and the 49ers in the NFC. That's right. And that's going to help it a lot. I, yeah. I, the Eagles are probably still the number one, but they're probably the second team in San, in San Francisco right now. Yeah. I, I'm not, wow. With McCaffrey, I think they could beat the Eagles. Oh, I do too. Absolutely. Yeah. With that defense, forget mm-hmm. it. Yeah. They'll their be defense able, gets healthy again. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, what football is all about running the ball and controlling the clock and playing defense. And they have them both now. And. Jimmy Garoppolo, say whatever you want, and I'm not a big fan of his either. He's consistent. He he'll throw 250 yards. It might not be the best 250 yards, but it's enough. And two touchdowns. All he's got to do is stay away from the mistakes. If he does that, they can win. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the Super Bowl this year uh, or fighting as a top four team in the NFC uh, in the NFL. So uh, great show. Thank you to Southern Illinois. Well, X. Southern Illinois Chief and Operating Officer, Public Speaker, Mike Pinto. Um, Also, thank you to Elite Sports New York Giants and NFL writer, Ryan Honey. 
for joining us as well. Fantastic, too. Great kid. Tell him thank you, and mm-hmm. we'll have him on very, very soon. Uh, 49ers definitely just jumped in the chances to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl after this trade. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the NFC is not that good, and now you add one of the elite running backs in the league on a team that's a running first team. So, And now you, you don't have to beat up Debo Samuel. You could do so yep. many things with Debo Samuel. And now. you don't have to beat up Christian McCaffrey because you have everyone else to help them out. So, I mean, I mean, you went from... A decent offense to a really good offense with one player. It's Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel probably are two of the top five like yards after catch guys in the league. Too. So for that offense, it's perfect. It'll be fun. It'll be fun watching them on Sunday, too, at 4 o'clock. And you'll have an opportunity because you're not going to do a play-by-play. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'll be DJing. <laughs> you'll be DJing. Uh, you'll, you'll, yeah. uh, that, that, I would imagine that has to be the national game. You should be able to see it somewhere, I would imagine. I'll turn my phone. Yeah, I can fit it go. in. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm doing emceeing on Sunday. So. Well, and the Jets, hopefully you're just doing emceeing this time. And, you don't have to rush for your equipment again. <laughs> yeah, and the Jets are playing, too, so I'm going to have to pop that on. I mean, it sucks. I'm not going to be able to watch the Jets. That's the second week that I'm, I, I'm, I'm trying to watch it on my phone. Horrible, but it's busy, so whatever. Yeah, uh, it was great. It was great for all the fans. Uh, we'll be back next week, and uh next week uh we'll be doing the show Tuesday and Thursday and there's a reason why because Wednesday I'm going to the the Islander Ranger game. Oh there you go. Nice. Yeah with the beef. So we'll be doing that game. So hopefully you don't lose track of your car this time. <laughs> right. So Tuesday, I don't know who's on it. I, I was I have to re- rearrange our coach uh, Tracy Woodson that we had, used to have on he, the guy who used to play for the Dodgers too. Just we tell- had him originally on Wednesday, but I'm sure he'll he'll be flexible enough to go. Yeah, tell him to come on Tuesday. I was going to tell you that, but uh yeah, Tuesday uh, we'll uh, we'll be doing the show because I'll be going to the Islander Ranger game on Wednesday with the Beaver. So, <laughs> and then Thursday, yeah, as always, nine to twelve. That won't change. So, stay tuned for them. Uh, thank you to all the fans. Keep listening. Check out the weekend crunch on Saturday. Islander game on Saturday. Yeah, next two weeks we'll be still after the Islander game. So yeah. right after the Islander game, ten thirty. Tune in as always. Thank you to the fans. Li News Radio, one hundred three point nine FM here in Long Island on iHeart Radio. Li News Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.